Hey, Joe. Hey, Gun. So, uh, you want to go, go want to take a nap? Yep. All right, because I'm going to talk about The Walking Dead a little bit. I figured I'd just get this one out of the way at the beginning of an episode. Oh, I'm Uh, taking such a big nap right now, dude. (laughs) Nah, but for real, though. um, I'm sleeping. We halfway through season 10 of The Walking Dead. Jesus fucking Christ. It's weird that it's this far. Um, I have bitched about The Walking Dead at length on this program. Uh, not not in a while, uh, because, uh, you know, I usually, like, update on, like, the finales and then give my thoughts on, like, the eight chunks of episodes that I was just watched, you know. But I skipped uh, the second half of Fear the Walking Dead this year okay, uh, because it was fucking terrible. Now, I know what happens because I looked it up after the fact, and the consensus is it remains fucking terrible, so I missed literally nothing. I the, the, all that I know that I didn't see that happened of note is Morgan may have died, but they don't show it and they leave it up in the air. So Morgan probably didn't die. I assume he crawled under a dumpster or something. Oh, uh, so <laughs> um, oh, so no. fuck that show. That show sucks. I I went ahead and just uh, you know put Fear the Walking Dead season five. B at the bottom of my rankings of Walking Dead seasons because it was the absolute worst I thought that things could sink. Although I thought that about 5A and then I put 5B below it just because like I did quit on 5B. I didn't quit on 5A. I watched all of that shit. But it did contribute to me quitting on 5B. Right. I'll tell you that. Uh, but once we're at the point where we're doing found footage episodes, I'm like, ah, I'm out. Get me out, coach. Get me out of here. But uh, the actual base, normal, Walking Dead show uh, is actually pretty good now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ever since they kicked out your boy, uh, uh, I forget, Scott Gimple. Scott Gimple, the guy who brought you Ghost Rider 2. Oh, yeah. What a man. Ever since they don't say that they kicked him out. They say they promoted him. I guess he's doing the Rick Grimes movie that will come out probably next year. Uh, so that'll be a dumpster fire and a half because he's not, he's, he's no good. They say they promoted him. I think they sensed that there was a, you know, there was some trouble <laughs> and they needed to course correct. Not everything is perfect. There's still things this show does that irritate me to no end and they still do them. And, uh, I'm going to talk more about those than my actual opinion. Uh, probably cause I think they're funny. But they're embarrassing. They're embarrassing that they're still doing them 10 years into this show. Uh, so zombies. You're familiar with zombies, right? You know how zombies work? Yeah. You know how zombies, like, constantly make noise in The Walking Dead? Yeah. Like, when they're just walking out and about, they go, like, all the fucking time. They don't stop. Right. Why are there stealth zombies? Because they had to do something to shake it up a little. Yeah, that's basically all that I can... Imagine. Oh, look, like, sneaky boy. I don't know when they started doing it. I can't pinpoint an exact time. Maybe when Tyrese died, but probably even before that, a character could be walking along, minding their own business, and then all of a sudden, without any clear warning, a zombie jumps out of nowhere, previously quiet, this zombie, and bites the person, and then they're going to die. And this has happened to multiple characters, and it still continues to happen to this day. They need to stop doing it. It fucking blows. 
Blow, it's embarrassing at this point. The whole fucking thing's embarrassing. Another thing that's embarrassing at this point, um, I it's somewhat realistic, but I'm really getting tired of watching scenes where our main characters meet a new person, a new character, and then they treat them with the utmost hostility and go, like, really overboard to go, like, who are you? Hold them at gunpoint and ask them a bunch of questions and threaten them. And then eventually become to trust them and eventually acclimate them to their group. Maybe it's realistic because you don't ever know what a person's going to do in this universe, but I've seen this kind of scene play out probably like 20 times on this show. And I don't ever want to see it again. And they did it again in this batch of eight episodes. That's embarrassing. Stop doing it. (laughs) It's like they get entrenched in their tropes. And just won't let go. They got to hold on to those tropes because it's all they got left. <laughs> really but, is all they got left. But uh, of particular note that is good this season is the characters and the acting. I want to give a particular shout out to Death Stranding man himself, Norman Reedus, who has finally decided after about eight years of this show to become a character Finally. Oh. Now, Daryl Dixon, you know, it's the reason why Norman Reedus is famous. Well, that and like Boondock Saints and now Kojima. Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, The Walking Dead, you know, made him a household name. He's the fandom favorite character. But I always didn't know why, because Daryl Dixon is that kind of just like, you know, doesn't say anything character. He's like mute. He's He doesn't fucking do anything. I, I don't understand why. <laughs> They just had no personality beyond I'm Action Man and I'm here to shoot things with my bow. I'm here to stab things with my knife. And they would occasionally flirt with a bit of character development with him, but never really went anywhere besides, like, oh, his, his brother died. And that's it. Finally, they're actually giving him lines of dialogue. Whoa. And it's like a completely different show at this point. I love Daryl Dixon as a character now. He's fun to watch. I love when he's on my screen, as opposed to going like, here's the Daryl scene, because they have to have one. Um, and that changed in season nine with the new showrunner. So thank God for that. Also, Negan. Negan's always been fun on this show. I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. He kind of like plays it up, and it kind of like almost feels out of place in this world that they've created doesn't work as well as I think in the comics it can because like you have this like fucking ridiculous over the top villain that is a comic book villain and you're supposed to be serious zombie show. Yeah. Uh, which is something I felt like worked in the comics because he was harsher because he swore a lot. And maybe that's something you can't do here necessarily. He still says weird things. He was talking about tapping people in the nuts this season. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> so they're starting to do uh, one of my favorite things they did with the character, which Vegeta? is... Vegeta? Vegeta! <laughs> the Vegeta arc! He's becoming a good guy, but still a dickhead. Yep, that's <laughs> And that's, that's a great arc to have. And we have that, uh, you know, that moment... Where he goes over to the whispers side, and uh, they're playing with this moment. They're letting it. Them, they're letting the audience chew on it a bit more. Uh, if I remember right, in the comics, it was one issue. Yeah, it was right. One quick. issue that was just Negan training with the whispers and learning their ways, and then he fucking. Uh, well, I mean, in case you're invested, I won't uh, tell you what he does. 
But uh, they're chewing the scenery a bit with this, and they're not really revealing what Negan's up to yet. Uh, I thought they were going to do it in the mid-season finale here. They didn't do it. They're taking their time with it, and that does hurt the pacing a bit. That's probably one of the other negatives I'd say about this season. But they're actually improving the Whisperer's plot by doing this. They gave a lot more character development to Alpha and Beta, and the entire Whisperers as a group has more development and more character to it, uh, whereas it's almost kind of like a filler plot in uh, the original comic. Right, it's what we're just, very you know, quick. We're just kind of going through this to get to the Commonwealth, basically. But it's kind of transformed into something that feels like it has a lot more weight to it, a lot more weight to the story. You can feel the impact of things the Whisperers do to the other communities at large, more so than you ever did in the comic. It feels like genuinely the next big villain group after Negan and his group, as opposed to kind of a filler arc, which is great to me because they've been actually knocking it out the park. There was an episode that was all basically flashback with Alpha and Beta and kind of showed how they met and how Beta got indoctrinated, as it were. It was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. What they're doing with Lydia is interesting, too. Obviously, you got no Carl. So no she's eye not, holes lick. <laughs> no, you ain't got that eye hole to lick. And you ain't, you ain't got a, a character that is established for her to latch onto, so you have to do other things with her. And they've actually developed her into a way more interesting character as a result, surprisingly so. Huh. Her character doesn't actually go into these interesting places in the comic because you always have Carl there to defend her. Now you don't have anybody, really. You have a couple people, maybe, Carl would always be there to defend her from everyone else. Now you don't have that. And now, oddly enough, the person that defended her was Negan. And that sets up a lot of tension. It's kind of cool. I like that they're changing things up. Uh, I kind of like what they're doing with Carol as well. Uh, Carol's always been a character that, like, obviously was an improvement on what they had in the books. But I felt like they were kind of spinning their wheels, not really knowing what to do with her. And they may be doing that right now, but I'm, I'm willing to see where it goes in the second half. Overall, it's better than it was. It has promise, but they're still doing these stupid things. They're still kind of like killing characters just to kind of feel like, you know, hey, we're the Walking Dead. We'll still do that occasionally. We'll still kill characters when it feels like, you know, you know, there hasn't been a big character death in a while. That way you pay attention to the show, right? And like, I don't, I'm not falling for your shit. I know which characters have the plot armor show. You can't pretend that to me. They and try. They try anyway, it doesn't I matter. I won't say who died, but it's not really someone I thought had plot armor, I'll tell you that. Uh, and he's not a character that's been around for, like, so long that, like, you know, they're not going to kill Daryl. I oh, know God, this. No, okay. And now I don't want them to because they actually made him fucking good. Thank you. Um, so I'm looking forward to the next half of The Walking Dead season. And this is a change in pace for me because I've really disliked it. Just a couple seasons ago. Just a couple seasons ago, I was almost, like, willing to give up on this show entirely. Like I did with Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, but, as far as the bad news goes, there's a third show coming out, and it looks, like, not good. I wanted to have faith, because it's, uh, it's being, uh, I think, made by the dude who directed Kong Skull Island, which I like a lot. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, he's doing Metal Gear movie, apparently. We'll see if that gets off the ground. I'm I hope kinda so. I'm going to doubt it. Uh, I hope so. And I kind of doubt that this will... I doubt that this will make me a believer in Walking Dead spinoffs. I think you just need the one show and just fuck off with everything else. Please stop making Walking Dead things. 
you know, just have the one show if you're going to have anything, and then just shut the fuck up. I don't need this to be a big, giant, expansive Marvel Cinematic Universe type thing where there's 800 things going on at once. Right. You don't have all the characters, and I don't think you have the creativity to do all this shit. Please, please don't. Please stop. And that's all I got to say about that. Just be what you got to say about that. I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I didn't ask you to care. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Look, man, you were a fan of the comic, and the comic's done. You're out. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I, I gave up on the show uh, five seasons ago. Hey, I could still. Maybe don't turn it into shit again. We can only hope? Question mark? I don't know. Do whatever you want, buddy. I'm good. I don't know if it's better to stop watching it because it's bad or to continue watching it because it's just close to good. I'd rather watch... <laughs> I'd rather watch Ride with Norman Reedus. Hey, I'm not just saying it because I'm a shill and I drink Monster Energy and I respect Kojima like I respect God. Uh... That's not a bad show. Oh, okay, cool. I'm gonna watch it's it. It's just Norman Reedus, and he like rides a bike Yo, with a celebrity. Sick bike, dude. <laughs> and he's just like, "Hey, I'm Norman Reedus, and this is the guy who plays Negan, or like the guy who plays the other guy in Boondock Saints, or like whatever." And then they just go on a trip, and then they look at stuff in like somewhere, and then they just like get free food and get to meet other cool people, and then they just go like, "All right, cool." Isn't this cool that we get to ride our bikes around the country and just have fun for a living? And it's like, yeah, cool. And that's it. Oh, okay. It's fun. a fine show. It's a fine program. No, that's fun. You know, hey. That's fun. Fuck this. <laughs> Drink Monster Energy. Drink it. Drink 900 cans of Monster Energy. Kojima saw demand. You won't it. die. Just Norman Reedus doesn't die. So, what are you, a pussy? Just drink that much, dude. Come on. <laughs> Ben and Jub Show. That's Ken. It's Ken! It's Ken! It's Ken! My name again. Hi. And I'm Jub. Boom! <laughs> you know, when you said ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I was really, really worried. We're going to talk about uh, Die, Hard, Die Hard 3 with a, with a big old vengeance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Big vengeance. Big vengeance. Came right at your big face guy. In the title big card. Hard. Came right at your face in the title it's, card. It's you got Bruce Willis. You got Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. And you got Jeremy Irons, who I love. He's in all kinds of great shit. Surprisingly decent movie with some with some asterisks that we'll get to. Yeah, but we'll get to that later. Anyway, I guess it's the time in the show where we just talk about what we've been doing lately. What have you been doing lately? I got a PSVR. Oh yeah, yeah, I got a PSVR. Just uh, it's right over there. I should have known you were gonna talk about. Yeah, that. got it a Black Friday sale early. Got it. Got it for cheapy cheap. And I. I I never really mess around with VR too much, but then uh, a couple weeks ago for my birthday, my brother took me out to this VR experience thing in Pittsburgh, where we got to try our our, our our hand at the Oculus and like play a bunch of different games, and I had a blast with it, and instantly loved it. I was like, I want to have VR. 
How do I accomplish that with my just marginal PC? I'll get it for my PlayStation. And here we are. That's what now, a lot of people have been doing. Yeah. It's the affordable option. Unless you want the Google Cardboard thing. Right. And that's <laughs> which, garbage. Like, that's not really VR. Or Nintendo Labo. Which is also basically cardboard. Yeah, it's, well, it, it is, is literally cardboard. cardboard. Yeah. And also not... I can't play super hot on that. Nintendo is weird. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, we tried virtual reality once. We ain't ever doing it again. Oh, no. I don't think so, buddy. Now, they don't have a, ever have the hardware to do VR. No, I miss when Nintendo was at the forefront of the technology in the industry. Because mm-hmm. now they're kind of always running behind. Yeah, but, but they got the good games. But they got the good games. They punched a lot more into like the creativity of their, of their development of their, like development style as far as hardware goes. And they're, and you figure they spend more of their hands at software these days than anything else. They're like Pump the world's in-house software. They're like the world's biggest indie developer. Just, make their own they console. just care about. Well, no shit. That's why they're the biggest. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of like, they're just focused on making games. Yeah. They don't care if they're top of the line, 1080p, 4K, 5K, special K, circle K. <laughs> they don't give a <laughs> shit. They they don't know. They don't. They, all they want to do is make a good game where Link. Do a thing, Mario. Do a thing. Yes, they're never gonna make a F Zero game again. No. But, but they do make good games. But they still make great games yeah. across the board. Yeah, and, and Sony does a lot of good stuff in house too. Uh, of course, yeah. The VR, the PSVR, is a very interesting uh, alternative to VR because I wouldn't say it's a full on. It's not the full on same thing. There's some caveats to the whole thing. First of all. It's run. The whole thing is run by light detection, using the PlayStation camera, on your VR headset, and all around it, on the, the front sides and back are lights. Okay, and they they they're lit up when you have the headset on, and the camera uses those lights to detect where your position is according to how far your distance is from the TV when it makes a reading on you. Uh, for motion control games, you have the you have the old PS Move ones. That you use, it does the same thing, which we, is, we by the way, that. the same trick that the PS2 used for the PlayStation Move. So in that sense, it's a little anti. anti- PS2, yeah. PS3, no. PS2 had a similar thing with the PS. PS PS2 had the eye toy, right? Is and then, then moving, about? yeah, and then moving to the PS3, okay. they had the wands. You take the eye toy, you expand that to the wands. So going all the way back, they use this camera technology. Yeah, it's. Something that they're was sticking really with. limited, but yeah. Yeah, it was incredibly limited. And then you got the PS3 with the Move controllers, and that was okay. Using similar technology. Right. You, you, st- you had to use a camera. And VR takes that same exact concept, where it's just using a camera to detect lights. Instead of just coming off a controller, it's also coming off your noggin. And yeah. then you have the... Uh, and surprisingly enough, the headset detection is really good. I don't have any problems with the headset. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm able to move around free range. Looks just fine. Nothing's crazy. Nothing disconnects. The move controllers are a little more of a problem, especially when you're trying to do more to move around. Um, you get anywhere near. You don't even have to get to the end end of the range of the camera. If you get like even close to it, it starts freaking out. And I know it's just because of the limitations of the technology, but it's still kind of frustrating sometimes. Especially, like, for example, I've been playing Super Hot VR, right? Yeah. Excellent game. Super Hot's fucking awesome. That game's great. 
Super Hot is fucking awesome, especially in VR. It's it's perfect for VR. Like games, regular Super Hot's been out forever, and then you know when VR started getting hot, Super Hot VR happened, and it's what a there could have been a more perfect marriage between game and VR, in my opinion. Like an already existing game, I mean. The concept works for it so well because when you move, you know everything moves. It lets you, so just do the same thing, but with your actual movements, and it's it's fun. And it, it has different stages. It's not the same thing as regular Super Hot because in regular Super Hot you can move and shit. You right. don't move. You don't move in this game. It just gives yeah. you. It's the same levels, but kind of orchestrated a little differently to so fit that you're VR. Just doing head turning. Right. Yeah. Most you're doing is turning your head. And it provides weapons and stuff for you to grab and use and. So it becomes more like a uh, like a quick instance-based thing, which is fun in the sense that it's a little more arcadey, and you also, through repetition, can get really good at it. And the fun thing about Super Hot is when you get really good and you start moving really fast, it looks crazy. Because we've been going through it so many times, like carefully planning out your movements and moving slow, and you have to get to certain checkpoints. So you have to do like multiple steps before you get to a checkpoint. And as you're getting better and better at doing those steps, you're just doing the same motions, but faster this time. And it starts looking cooler and cooler as you're going through it. And it's great. Super Hot's awesome. Everybody knows Super Hot's awesome. Uh, another game that everybody already knows is awesome that plays Beat Saber. Yeah, dude. I knew I was going to love Beat Saber. Right off the bat, like a rhythm game. Right up my alley. You have lightsabers. Right up my alley. I don't like the music choice in that game. It's just not my kind of music. I'm not into, like, house music or dubstep or anything like that. Yeah, that seems to be what most of that game It's the is. vast majority of the yeah. catalog. There's some game music in there, too. Well, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, you have it on PS4, so right. what so, you're going to be able to play is limited. I know the PC is where that's where the shit go crazy, is. where you can play Shrek 2 in its entirety on Beat Saber. You know, right, yeah, because people can make their own custom charts, <laughs> right. you can't do on PS4. Yeah. And they don't have a lot of DLC. Mm-hmm. It is not much. It is a, a, really, a fucking Imagine Dragons pack? Great, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. A fucking Panic at the Disco pack? Thanks. I appreciate that. It's not from, it's it's not from uh from their good album. So I guess that's not you know, worth my time. And then a bunch of other house music and dubstep music that I don't particularly care for. So that's kind of a negative to it for me. But playing the game is so much fun that I don't really give a shit. And there's there's one song in the game that I love, which is that 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 crab fight game music, which is the best thing. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You were playing uh, Batman Arkham City the other day when I was playing the game. We were, and I, put, I played the crab song, and it fit rather well. Uh, that was Arkham a City. lot of fun, because uh, beating up people while you're playing the crab song, and it almost like went with the rhythm of it, because he's like going, boop, punch, 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 counter. That was a lot of fun, actually. I should probably just listen to that while I play, because I was doing better That's funny. than I do normally. That's the only Arkham City's like game. a rhythm game with its combat. Sometimes, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's hard to do properly, consistently, right, hundred percent of the time. But yeah, having difficulty with those challenges. Arkham City, that's Arkham City for you. Hey, one more game we want to talk about. Just one more, and then I'll, I'll stop. I'm gonna be talking. I'm rambling for a while. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Astrobot Rescue Mission is one of the games that came with my PSVR. Yeah, and what a great pack-in game. It kind of exemplifies 
most of what VR has to offer as far as like the basics go. Because all it's a it's a cute little platformer game where you're a robot trying to go save his robot friends. Well, you're not actually technically the robot, I guess. You're controlling it, but you're like a monitor watching over him or something. I don't know. How oh, okay. Works. Yeah, you got to do something with VR, right? Depending. Yeah, so you control the little robot using your your controller and everything, and you can see your controller on the screen and tracks it through the light bar on the controller. Yeah, yeah. But the fun part about the game is it's all perspective based. So it, the game recommends well, pretty much you have to sit in some kind of chair that swivels. So you can move around, and they want you to sit. So you sit in some kind of chair that, that that you can like turn around in, and you look all the way around you. There's stuff to look at, stuff to look at, stuff to do, and you have to like throughout the levels. You have to turn and like watch them go, and you, like sometimes you have to look down because your guy fell down somewhere, and like to grab stuff. And there's a lot of secrets you can find that way too, just by looking around, looking at different directions. Okay. And there's uh, it's really fun that way. And there's some stuff you could do where you have to like headbutt certain enemies with your, with your head, and like, like hit them with the controller. That's fun. But, it, I think it's like it, it's a really cute platformer. It's well designed. It's definitely one of the better PSVR games, like that are available right now. I'd say it's like in the top like, few. Like if you're getting one, I'd recommend it if you didn't already get it with your PSVR because it's a pack in most of the time. Right. Yeah, it seems like it comes with a lot of them. Yeah, it's it's the, yeah. I mean, it's the one of the games that Studio Japan made. Okay. For VR, so it kind of makes sense. And it's their best one, definitely. It's their best VR game. Like that came from Sony, I'd say. And good job. PS4 is fun. I'm I'm excited to play around with it more. Get a few other games. I want to get some of the like the I want to get Tetris Effect really bad. Really bad. Yeah, I would assume so. You like the Tetris. I love the Tetris. A lot. And that is the Tetris game. Tetris effect still expensive? Uh, no, you can get it. On, it. It's expensive digital, but you can get a physical for like $20. Okay. Well, I'm really curious to see that. I'm really interested in that game. That game looks trippy as shit. Yeah, it just like, yeah. Well, yeah, you can put it in the, it comes with, it comes with the earbuds that come off the side. You can put them earbuds in, fucking crank that volume up, get yourself immersed as fuck playing yeah. some Tetris and getting tripped out. Eat some mushrooms. I mean, don't. No, don't you don't do have that. to. You don't have yeah. to. It's already happening. LMAO. It's already happening inside Tetris Effect. <laughs> the Tetris shrooms. Hell yeah. The L-block mushroom. I went out for a really long time, bud. Is there anything uh, you've been doing besides more Batman? Not basically just more Batman. Um, you madman. Uh, no, that's Batman. Not madman. Idiot. <laughs> that's a different character. Idiot. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, uh, you know... I guess just as a, an aside uh, that would connect to me talking about it previously, last episode, uh, the challenges are better than I remember as well. Uh, they are frustrating, and they are hard, though. And I may need help in completing them. A friend of ours, uh, you you uh, do football show with him, Nathan Kuyper. Yes. Uh, he's really good at those games. Yes, he's very good. And he has done all these challenges before on, uh, I believe, all three of the fucking games. Maybe even Origins as well. I don't know. Uh, so he may help me out with that, and then we'll uh, go from there. I'm going to play Arkham Knight soon. I'm going to play a lot of games soon, because i got a lot of stuff on deck, and I want to see what's uh, popping around uh, Christmas sales and get into some shit. Hell yeah. Uh been watching Watchmen. Watchmen's really fucking good. Um, I uh, am even going back and reading 
the comic again because it's really but yeah i'm even going back to the comic and looking at that a bit too because uh interestingly enough uh there's a lot of stuff that is recontextualized by the show into the lore that i wanted to look into and it works it's fine I'm sure there's some people out there that are like, oh, no, that's that you changed something from the comic, and I hate you, you That was them disapparating because I killed them. That's what they sound like. Uh, anyway. They sound like that anyway. You didn't have to do that. I vaporized them with my disintegrator ray from The Mandalorian, which is another show that is good that you should watch, Justin. Mandalorian. Star Wars good? Are you for real? Ooh. I don't know, man. Look, look here, man. I know you're just seeing that fucking Baby Yoda, and that's all you know about that show, all right? Uh, I understand that Baby Yoda's a meme. Baby Yoda meme. I get it. I love Baby Yoda, though. He's cute. Uh, also a meme. It is weird to me that there's Star Wars fans that are like, oh my god, I would literally die for Baby Yoda. He's so cute. But then those same people are like, Ewoks, bleh. Yeah, they're cute. Get them out of Star Wars. And I'm like, do you see what's similar here? Uh, now, I'm, I'm not saying, I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of feel like you can overuse cute in Star Wars and make it feel like it's just there to sell toys. Maybe that's what Baby Yoda's there for. I don't know. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing, you know. Baby Groot in the Guardians movies, definitely there to sell fucking toys. But it was fun. And they did good stuff with it. I can't complain. I am so excited for more episodes of that shit because the episodes have kind of just been getting better as they go. Uh, same with Watchmen, honestly, although it's it's an entirely different class of show. Watchmen is just like a fucking god-tier television. I encourage, I beg you to watch it. Justin, please watch it. I will. Jesus fuck. That's at the top of my list. I, I mean, like, I'm finally understanding why uh, Lindelof was like, all right, Watchmen is like the Old Testament, and we're not going to redo it. This is more like the New Testament. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this is Watchmen 2, as close as you could probably get it. Uh, That's cool. You know, and I thought that was originally going to be Doomsday Clock, but, like, this beats the shit out of Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock looks like shit compared to this. That's dope. And I kind of liked Doomsday Clock when I read of it, but... There were, that came with like a couple, uh, you know, there's things I don't like about Doomsday Clock. And now I really don't like them just in comparison to this, which is just nailing Watchmen so much better. It is completely the closest thing you can get other than going and reading the comic for yourself. It's even closer than Zack Snyder's movie, which... Literally just use the comic book of Watchmen as a storyboard. <laughs> but Snyder's intentions kind of... And Snyder's creative vision kind of like... Clashed with Alan Moore's in a way. Because you could tell that they're like opposite humans. <laughs> so Zack Snyder making Watchmen of all people just really didn't... Really didn't work. Really didn't work. I mean, you might as well have Michael Bay making Watchmen at that point. Like, that's not the guy you get to do it. I don't, I don't understand. There's something way more important than all of this that I want to talk about. Justin, 
how many days are in a month, give or take? 30 or 28 to 31, technically. Yeah. Well, like on average, I'd say 31. 30, 30 31. Right. Yeah. All right. How many pizzas do you think you could eat in a month? Not 40. Not 40? Not 40. Not well, like I'll Papa tell can. you one man who can. Not like Papa can, man. Papa John's. He's back in the news. <laughs> The savior of pizza. <laughs> Alright, so we'll get to this scene in, in Die Hard, right? But I want to remind people that a few short months ago, almost like a year ago at this point, uh, Papa John was that scene per- towards the beginning of Die Hard 3 when Bruce Willis is naked <laughs> with the sign around him. <laughs> Oh no! Except he meant to do it. Right. Oh, oh no! I had no idea where you were going with the connection, and now I'm horrified. Yeah, he did that. Yep. So, so, okay. Of all people deserving a redemption arc, uh, not Papa John. Pa- not Papa John. Papa John low on that list. This isn't a redemption arc. This no. Is the internet dunking on this you. is. This is the. Uh, Descent into Madness arc. Uh, I, I don't know. He he seems to... Um, I, I finally, like, caved and looked up uh, specifics on why he said what he said. Because all I knew was a snippet of an interview where he said, I've had over 30 pizzas. <laughs> I've had over 40 pizzas in 30 days. And, <laughs> and he looks sweaty and insane and then just says the day of reckoning will come, stay tuned. And I was like, I don't have any context for this interview. I don't know what's happening. But the context is Papa John's ate those 40 pizzas from Papa John's because he claims that they changed the recipe of the pizza from his Papa John's recipe to a different one that he says tastes worse. Because their current CEO, whoever that poor soul may be, uh, is about to feel Papa John's vengeance, his wrath, because he is uh, enraged that the pizza quality is lower. He's he's mad that the pizza quality of Papa John's pizza. Uh huh. Just want to emphasize that. Right, yeah. Is low. It was already... It was already probably the worst pizza you could probably eat. No. What's worse than Papa John's? Oh, God. Well, I mean, guess not... Well, I would have said Domino's, like, a couple years ago. I think Domino's is better. It is better now. They actually used Papa John's slogan and then executed that in their company. Better ingredients, better pizza, but for Domino's instead. Um, you could maybe say Little Caesars, Little but Caesars Little Caesars worse. gets you on the price. Right. And Papa John's is charging what other pizza places should charge for Little Caesars quality pizza, is basically what I'm saying here. Oh, okay. Um, so that sucks. I don't think they, ch- if they changed anything, they did it for the better, because you can't make it any fucking worse. You can't, but Papa John's knows. You know, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a pizza amateur. Papa John's is a pizza pro. He knows, he knows what's up, and pizza the day pro. of reckoning is coming for Shaq 
or whoever the CEO of Papa John's is now. Is he coming for Shaq? Shaq's the the guy. Shaq's in all the commercials now. Is he going to fight Shaq? Is he going to do that? Mm-hmm. That's frightening. Who will win? I hope it's Shaq. I hope Shaq just dunks on him. I bet he can do it. The Papa, right? Yeah. Goes on to this, this local local news station. Looking pretty soggy, if I do say so myself. He looks like he's eating 40 pizzas. He looks like <laughs> he like is today. the he 41st is, pizza. <laughs> looking he's covered like, in like pizza Looking grease. like Pizza the Hut. He looked like he was about to put some better ingredients on himself and put himself in a fucking oven. I hope he does. He yeah, needs be some great. better ingredients right now because right now he's working with them. So some shitty ingredients in his brain. He needs some help, man. Just like Papa John's Pizza needs some help. Yeah, he really does. It's not a, not a pizza. I don't know. It's a meme. I just wanted to talk about this because it's really fucking funny. The day of reckoning. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be the next diehard villain. Dude, he's gonna put out like a PSA thing online. Be like, <laughs> the new CEO of Papa John's doesn't know pizza, but I do, and I'm campaigning to get back on Papa John's. They'd be like, you're a fucking racist. Be like, oh yeah, and then crawl back into his. Why home. doesn't he just make Papa John's two and start that company? It's like, can he do that? Welcome to Papa Mike's, baby, but my brother Mike. <laughs> He just wears, like, a little mustache. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's me, Mike. Papa John's brother. Not to be confused with Papa John now. The Day of Reckoning is here. Come enjoy the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and then it tastes even worse than Papa John's. Everybody's like, what the fuck? That's because he, he sweat on each fucking pizza. <laughs> that was the secret ingredient. That's why it's probably better now. Doesn't have Papa John's sweat. He went to every Papa John's location and sweat on every pizza. No, you could, they could, they gave him, he gave him all little bottles, little vials. He sends them out, ships yeah. them out. Right, and then right before they put it in the oven, they just boop. A little, <sighs> bit, of, little bit of Papa sweat. That's disgusting. A little bit of Papa. A little, little bit of Papa love on your pizza. A little bit of Papa. I hate it. I really hate it. I really do. I hate the fact that we've created a scenario where he puts sweat on pizza. Papa John perforating on your pizza. He's sweating it up. No thanks. A little drippy. <laughs> little drippy drip on your pie. Eat up, kids. Our show is a disgrace. He's now inside of you. Oh, God. No, I don't want to become a Papa John. That's what happened to Peyton Manning. That's why we don't see him anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you think happened to him? He's not in the commercials anymore. Because he is Papa John. He's doing Thai commercials now. Oh, that's right. We do see him. Damn. I wish we did. He got some ESPN show where he does some stupid thing. I don't know. He probably just goes up to other football mans and is like, hey, football. And the football man like, football. And Peyton Manning like, yeah, football. Football. I don't know. Let's talk about Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard time. Let's do it. Die Hard. Go. Going to die real hard. Go. Going to die real hard. Go. Going to die real hard. Go. Where? Do it. Where am I going? Talk about Die Hard. I just want to see you struggle. Go. I'm not going to stop till you start. All right, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Ow. 
That hurt. That was Good. Like my thigh I'm with really my glad that you injured yourself for no reason, you idiot. I just wanted to wait. <laughs> Throw a temper tantrum over me not looking at my phone. Die! <laughs> 1995 film, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, I, they're doing this now. Yeah, we're already at, well, we were already at stupid Do you think this is because territory. of the, the, the Die Harder meme? Maybe. Well, that was just Die Hard 2, but they can't call this one Die Hard 3. You gotta, you know. Literally you know. everybody thought it was Die Harder. Yeah, so maybe they were like, it has to be Die Hard something, something, something. Right. Um, Which is the title of the sixth Die Hard film. Die Hard something, something, something. So this is five years after Die Hard 2. Now, uh, Bruce Willis had a few uh, major flops during this off time between sequels. You know, if you remember correctly uh, from last week, Die Hard 2 was released rather quickly after Die Hard 1. Uh, just a f- few years. Right. They were writing it immediately while the movie was still in theaters. While the one was still in theaters. Uh, but this one took them five years, and I think part of the reason was they were kind of struggling to choose what they wanted Die Hard 3 to be. Okay. But also because Bruce Willis had a bit of a feud here. Uh, so Bruce Willis is, does a movie, Masterpiece. Masterpiece of a film. Everybody loves this movie. Never heard a bad thing about it. Uh, called Hudson Hawk. Oh... I'm being sarcastic. That movie's apparently a garbage pile and a half. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, tensions on this film led to Bruce Willis feuding with producers Joel Silver and Larry Gordon. These producers were with him for Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 2 and Hudson Hawk. And it's really not known exactly what they argued with, but maybe it was Hudson Hawk sucked ass and he really disagreed with a lot of their decisions based around the making of it. And I think he was also disagreeing with their direction on Die Hard 3 that they were about to take. So eventually, this leads to them splitting entirely. They kind of take like a settlement from Fox and move on to other things. And their professional relationship with Bruce Willis who now has more weight than the producers themselves because he's Bruce fucking Willis. Right. He is He is the franchise. Can't make a diehard movie without him. I'm sure they'll try eventually, but no thank you. Because, yeah, he's diehard. <laughs> Bruce Willis is diehard. But, uh, so they get a new producer, Andy Vajna, or Vana. Maybe Vana. I don't know. I'm not Alex Trebek. I can't just pronounce things that I don't know how to pronounce immediately. Wish I was Alex Trebek. I, I couldn't tell you how that Genre. <laughs> ah! Anyway, Bruce Willis's troubles would uh, would prove short-lived because he once again found himself at the center of a landmark in cinema history, 1994's Pulp Fiction. Yeah. A movie that would also catapult one Samuel L. Jackson to stardom. I mean, Pulp Fiction really set the world on fire in 1994. So it's really not any surprise to me that immediately the following year they throw Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson together, even though they don't act together in Pulp Fiction, right the following year into Die Hard 3. Really doesn't surprise me, because they were like it right then. All they were missing was John Travolta as the villain. It would have been great. It probably wouldn't have been great. No, what they had was fine. <laughs> what they had was fine, because uh, Jeremy Irons is the villain here. Right, and he, and he was fantastic. I love Jeremy Irons. In fact, watch Watchmen, 
He's in that. Oh, I didn't he's know that. really good in that. Holy shit! He's really fucking good in that. I, I have no should. idea what the fuck's going on with him. Still, <laughs> six episodes into the nine episode show, but he's really fucking good in that. Everybody's good, but I just want to mention that. Uh, so, the first script considered for Die Hard Three was a script called Troubleshooter. Wouldn't have been called that. Would have eventually been called Die Hard 3. But regardless, uh, this would have had John McClane fighting terrorists on a Caribbean cruise. That's a terrible idea. Well, they uh, didn't seem to think so. But then Under Siege came out, which is basically that. So that happens. Willis's tensions with the producers come to a head. So it's decided to dump the Troubleshooter script because it's too similar to Under Siege. And also, I don't think Bruce Willis wanted to go that direction anyway with Die Hard 3. That script was uh, later still used, though, in a good old movie called Speed 2 Cruise Control. Oh, (laughs) holy shit. That was almost a Die Hard movie. It's funny how, like... All the scripts for Die Hard movies could be anything else, too. They just shove John McClane in it, and it works. Probably because Die Hard 1 was so influential that this, like every action star from then on has to be, like, John McClane, basically. Yeah. That's kind of probably more how it works. So, anyway, the script that was eventually chosen to be turned into Die Hard 3 was called Simon Says... Not surprising at all, given the plot of the film. Right. Uh, This was originally set to star Brandon Lee, who, of course, unfortunately died. Yeah. Uh, So that didn't happen. The script was originally bought by Warner Brothers. After that initial version failed to materialize, Warner Brothers was intending to turn it into a Lethal Weapon sequel. But uh, Warner Brothers didn't use the script it just sat, remaining unused. I, I believe they call this turnaround yeah. in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then this is where Fox ended up buying it and turning it into Die Hard 3. Die Hard with a Vengeance. So, Simon Says, and as a result, Die Hard with a Vengeance, was written by Jonathan Hensley. Uh, he would later write such films as Jumanji, which is a classic, and Armageddon. Which I do not care for. No, me neither. But some people say it's fun. Uh, It's probably the Michael Bay movie, besides maybe a Bad Boys or two, that gets the most respect, I I would say. Because Michael Bay's like a joke, for the most part. Um, Armageddon has a Criterion (laughs) Collection release, for fuck's sake. It's weird. Weird that that got chosen for that. It's like a... That movie was, for some reason, like a cultural moment. Yeah. I don't get it. I never understood it. I didn't like it when I was a kid. Also starring just, Bruce Willis, by the way. Yeah. He was uh, fine But anyway, fine Jonathan Hensley would uh, go on to write a movie that I like that I feel is underrated. And he would write and direct this movie. And that's 2004's The Punisher, which uh, has been widely forgotten and Kind of for good reason, because there is better shit out there, don't get me mistaken. But I think in that, like, fucking barren wasteland of the early to mid-2000s of superhero films, Punisher's okay. Punisher's not a bad movie, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, 
I like Thomas Jane. Uh, John Travolta's a meme, and I think he works well as a villain, and it doesn't happen often enough. But, like, that movie was far from successful. Uh, I, have, I haven't really seen much from Hensley since then. His biggest claim to fame was basically Die Hard 3. Now, Hensley originally wanted a darker ending, but uh, the studio decided to change it because it was uh, dark as fuck. It blew up the school full of the kids? No. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it once we get through the actual movie. I'll save it for the end end because it is at the end of the It is the end. Right. Yeah. What happens in Dick Hard with a Vengeance? Never thought you'd ask. <laughs> well, I don't know how you thought I would not ask, given that is how this show works. Die Hard with a Vengeance starts with fucking overarching establishing shot of the city, right? And then in your face just comes Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, as it does. And it was like fucking funny as it's, shit. It's that one song, you know, bye bye, living in the city. Dabba, 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 yeah, dabba, and it's playing that you know. with establishing shots and just kind of like going through. And then all of a sudden, just a building blows up. Yeah, it's actually pretty well executed, this yeah. little moment. I like that they just interrupted their own little cool establishing credit sequence with an explosion. And then the movie really starts. Yes. Uh, this movie feels long as fuck. I think that's one of the detriments to it. It's a lot that happens. It, it feels like this movie is three hours long. But it's only two. Yeah, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Pacing. So, right. So, yeah, the movie but I wasn't, with that. I wasn't bored, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So the movie starts with that, and obviously it moves the cops to try to figure out what the fuck was going on. And then they get a call from a guy who's like, I want John McClane. And then they're like... To do whatever I say. Right. And then, the, and then the Or else I will like, blow up more shit. Right. And then she's like, he's suspended. And you're like, oh boy. John <laughs> McClane getting suspended. It's cool that we're actually in New York this time for a John McClane adventure because he is a New York cop. Right. But I do have a couple issues with where we find him at the beginning of this story. Namely, the fact that he is divorced from his wife. Not divorced. Estranged. Right. So it's basically like where we found him in Die Hard 1. Right. Um, and he's also been, like, suspended from the force for doing something that is not specified. Sounds like it's drinking on the job. Maybe. Um, I feel like this is, uh, you know, I, I like that John McClane is a little rough around the edges. It's the key to his character. But I kind of don't like that they just kind of, like, regressed him a bit. They kind of almost pretend that Die Hard 2 didn't happen. Right. Um, but it did. Canonically, it did. They don't mention any events from Die Hard 2 in this movie. They certainly reference Die Hard 1. It's integral to the plot. But it's almost like pretended that Die Hard 2 didn't happen. I think this is because the directors of 1 and 3 are the same. Right. It's fucking your good old boy John McTiernan is back before he went to prison (laughs) for tapping phones. (laughs) But anyway, it's it's just a little weird to me. That, like, you know, they kind of establish that he's having marital problems in one. And then in two, they seem solved. And then in three, they're bad enough that he hasn't seen her in a year. Like, what's the timeline here? Is he just on and off again with his wife constantly? you might be on to ignoring Die Hard 2 because... He in Die Hard Two, he was an LA cop. He turned into an LA cop. That's what I'm saying. They kind of just suggest that he was like, you know, ah, she moved to LA. And I, you know, wanted to stay in New York. 
Right, it didn't have anything with him. But actually. then, like, then one and two take place in L.A. <laughs> right. And in two, he well, seems pretty ingrained as an L.A. cop. Two's in Washington, D.C. Well, that's right. You're right. But, but he talks to his home base in L.A. because he works yeah. with Twinkie Man. <laughs> so, like... You know, he's not comfortable in L.A. working with Twinkie Man. He did, had to go back to New York. No, he just never went in the first place. I think he ignores Die Hard too. I don't think it technically does, which is the weird thing. Like, all of these are supposed to happen. It's, it's not like, uh, you know, some other franchises we've watched where it kind of just stops and starts and chooses its canon. It's, it's supposed to be Die Hard 3. It's not supposed to be the real Die Hard 2 or anything. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Uh, and that's my key problem with it. You have to invent a way for it to work. And I would rather not want to do that. I would rather it be consistent. And that aspect of the movie didn't really play into anything. You could just say that he was, you know, whatever. Not having marital problems, he just decided to move back to New York. Right. Because that was his home. He's like, I just couldn't take it in L.A. Couldn't stand it in L.A. And, you know, it's whatever. That You don't have to say that, like, he hasn't seen his kids and blah, 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 blah. Right. I don't think it really adds much to his character. You know, just throwaway lines. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, but then, yeah, so they grab John McClane, he's in the truck, they have, like, some pitter-patter, some banter. Gotta give you the, the establishing what's going on with John McClane, which is kind of like what we talked about. He's hungover. Yep, he's very hungover. He's asking for some aspirin. I am okay with this. <laughs> this is great. I'm okay that he's hungover the entire film. He's pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah. They, they tells him, uh, just the great lines, like, you ruined a perfectly good hangover. And yeah, that, that's a good one. He's still a quip machine in this movie. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The quip, the quips go <laughs> right off. <laughs> Do the they back. ever? And then, then they, uh, he's taking off his clothes, and you're like, "What the fuck? Why is he taking off his clothes?" He makes a quip to the one girl that's in the van about it. Look, all the last person who saw this was my wife. Like, great. And she's like, "Yeah, how lucky for her." Gross, Bruce Willis. <laughs> Yeah. And apparently he had alcohol on, on him, like physically on him, like drenched. Mm. Do they really dunk on him in this movie, too? It's funny. As if he's not the fucking hero and the best cop on the force in this film, but whatever. It's really funny. Not that the cops are incompetent like they were in 1 and 2. They're no. actually pretty competent Yeah, in this film. They uh, they're doing what they gotta do, but, you know, obviously Bruce Willis is the super cop that doesn't die. No matter how hard you come at it. <laughs> I wasn't right. even trying to do that. Um... And so they they let him off, uh, they let him off the bus, and they they, they put a sign around him, which would assume at the demand of uh, whoever is causing these bombings, well, this bombing and threatening another one. Yeah, what, what's the sign say, Justin? Oh, we don't know that yet. First, it goes to uh, it kind of pans over to a little shop. Nice dodge. Nice Samuel. dodge of saying what's on the you sign, you Justin. See, you don't see what's on the sign yet. I agree, but it's and pretty like, well the, known. The timing of it is like part of it. And I felt like they handled that well, actually. Um, I was really nervous about that whole aspect of the book. Well, we'll get to it. Go ahead, establish there's, there's parts of it that are There's parts of it that aren't handled well. We'll get to that. Oh, I agree. So Samuel Jackson working at a, at, at a locksmith shop. He's a locksmith. And yeah. Two little kids come in with a radio, say they want to sell it to him. And he's like, you you stole it. Like, no, the guy gave it to us. He, he got it from his grandma or something. He's like, no, it was stolen. Take it back to him, you dang kids. Those are his kids, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And then he makes some kind of speech to him. It definitely seemed like it. About, you know, about like, 
you know, getting educated, getting, going on doing stuff on your own. I and, like the bit where he hits the kid with the new. He says, "Hey, me that newspaper." And yeah, he hits the kid with the newspaper. He's great. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson's really good in this movie. He's great. He's, uh, he's often good in everything. He always plays Samuel L. Jackson, but I honestly don't give a fuck. I'm cool with him playing Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, no, uh, right. like it's not like in this role, he's a little bit more of like a nervous, like kind of nerdy guy. Which yeah. is fun. Yeah. When he's paired with Bruce Willis. Yeah, it, it was a good pairing. Yeah. It's, it's a good buddy cop movie. It is. Yes. Um it reminded me a lot of aspects of the first Die Hard movie where Bruce Willis was constantly talking to Twinkie Man. Yeah. But also his little... banter with like uh uh, uh who was the what's the name of the kid that drove the car? The limo. Stuff like that, yeah. you know, like little moments like that, which we're kind of missing into. You had like the janitor guy, but it was, it was more brief, brief moments. Right. Bruce Willis spent most of his time in Die Hard 2. McLean spent most of his time in Die Hard 2 just like hating everybody a little more. Yeah, well, because he was, you know, doubted a lot more in that movie, for sure. Yeah, because it was Washington, D.C. instead of New York or yeah. L.A. Even in this movie where he's suspended, the cops eventually put their trust into him and... uh well, they still had their trust in him. They kind of like know who he is at this point. He's a lieutenant on the force, so it makes sense that they would listen to what he has to say. But anyway, so after that little scene with with, with girl Samuel L. Jackson, he looks outside, and well, the kids see like there's a there's a white man outside. He's like, yeah, what? So and like, no, you need to come see this. He goes and looks outside, and. He's got a sign around him that uh, I I forget the exact wording of it, but it has the N word on it. It says I hate N words, oh, but okay. it doesn't say N words. It says the word. Yep. And uh, that's why we said Papa John's was behind. Yep. <laughs> so I'll bring that all the way back. We talked about Papa John's early. That was him a year ago. He did that, except on on the internet or radio or whatever it was. Yeah. Um. I, I wanted to mention something real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they have um. While while this while doing this is kind of problematic and really just symptomatic of uh the time it was created in. Yeah. Uh, the scene doesn't make sense if you change what's written on the sign. At all. And kind of just, like... Because they did that for, like, when the movie's on TV. And when the movie is... uh, It's a censored version. The sign says, I hate everybody. In censored versions. Uh, There's even a toy that they sell of John McClane in this scene wearing the sandwich board sign. And it says, I hate everybody on it. But if you change it to I hate everybody, there's no context for why anything happens in this scene at all. Yeah, why those people get so upset? Because he hates everybody, I guess. (laughs) Like, when black people are, like, willing to stab him and shoot him or whatever just because he has a sign that says I hate everybody, it, it really doesn't make any sense now, does it? In fact, it has the opposite effect where it makes, like, the people in the streets of Harlem seem like worse people. It honestly almost makes it seem more racist than it is already. Yeah. Because he just, you know, oh, he's in Harlem, and he antagonizes some of the black people, and then they try to kill him. Oops. Oops. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this scene. I don't like it. Uh, 
at all. I, I like the idea of it because this is a guy who's just trying to fuck with him. He wants him to get the shit kicked out of him. But it is really shitty. <laughs> there are other ways they could have done it. It's this. shitty to just assume that black people would murder him over this. I'm sure some would. But it's shitty to just assume it so hard that like... It's an entire group of people who just walk up and yeah. try to stab him and shit. I, yeah. You understand it's Harlem, but like, come on. Like, Harlem's got its own In problems. In the 90s, but. too, as well, you know. Racial tensions were, were always... They're always uh, fucked up in any time period you plop yourself in, but... Uh, yes, because of white people. Well, yes. But the 90s, you got stuff like Rodney King happening, so, like, maybe, like, you know... I don't know. But but the way they approach race and, like, racists in this movie is bizarre to me a little bit. Yeah. Because well, um, the... I think they think they're trying to make a point with the Samuel they, L. Jackson they, they, they character. racism thing? Yeah. Is Samuel L. Jackson supposed to be racist against white people in this movie? Because I really don't buy that. It just feels like he's more normal. No, not actually. That, that's um, kind of like what's... I What's think they're trying it? to lean into that, and then like, oh, well, but he has a friendship with Bruce Willis, so it's cool at the end. Like, he learned a lesson, but like, that's like a weird way to go about it, if that's what and they're I trying to do. I don't think he do. feels like he learned a lesson, it just feels like he made a friend. And like, I don't know, I don't think any of the things he was saying at the beginning of the movie were wrong. Just uh, no. Him, yeah. <laughs> He's telling a, bunch of, a couple of black kids who are growing up on the streets of Harlem to not trust white people, and... Correct. It's, it's not that far <laughs> off. In the area that they're in. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't trust white people. <laughs> I don't trust white people and I'm white. Right. Um, now, but anyway, getting past this scene, Samuel L. Jackson frees him from his plight. Uh, and then they steal a car. Well, they don't technically They steal, steal this car. They do. They get in this car at gunpoint. Yeah, they make him drive. Make yeah. Make drive. Just to get him out of there, because if they leave him there one more second, he's going to get murdered, I guess. Um, <laughs> it just seems so, like, mean-spirited to just be like, it you is. know, if you went to Harlem and said this, you'd get killed. It reminds me of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's a more comical way of looking at this, but it's still probably, like, just as racist. Uh, it's a scene in, uh, you ever hear of Kentucky Fried Movie? Justin? No. I have no idea. Kentucky Fried Movie is just like a bunch of vignettes and comedy things just all like plopped together. It's kind of like that that movie 43 uh, a little bit, yeah. but like that's like kind of what that was trying to be. Just like a bunch of sketches. Uh, I think it's a John Landis movie. Okay. It was looked at as atypical for him because it was like an earlier movie of his. Uh, fuck John Landis too, by the way. Uh, there's a scene in it where it's like a uh, professional daredevil does this and he goes up to a, he's like dressed in like a, got like a helmet and like a sky suit on. And he goes up to a group of black people and then screams the N-word and then starts running from them. And then they chase after him. Like that was his professional daredevil stunt. Reminds me of something like that. Where it's just, it's assuming a lot. It's assuming a lot. And it's attempting to poke fun at and be satirical and not be racist itself, but be satirical. But in turn. But it reveals a lot that you made the scene at all. Right. <laughs> it's what I'm saying. A little racist anyway. <laughs> Despite that, I like the idea that they're fucking with him. 
And they use that to good effect throughout the movie. So we're in the car that they stole. I think we end up back at the police station. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so they come back to the police station. They're like, Jesus Christ, get them all cleaned up. McLean kind of talks to them about what's going on a little bit. And then he calls again. And this time, he gives us some instructions. Uh, tell Samuel Jackson to get on the phone. They put him on the phone. Samuel Jackson tells him to go fuck himself, basically. And then he hangs up. Calls back again and says, don't do that. <laughs> don't be rude to me. I can blow things up. Uh, we get the introduction to what they're using to blow things up, by the way. Which I don't know if it's a real thing. But it's some kind of like, this liquid mixed with this liquid make explode. Big explode. Probably not a real thing. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Maybe I, I don't, I don't not know. literally, probably. Because yeah. they don't go into the specifics of what the liquids are. It's just like this liquid and this liquid, when combined, go explode. And boy, these liquids are rare. Okay, I'll take your word for it, movie. <laughs> so, um, Simon wants both Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson to go to a payphone, right? Yes. Yeah, they want them to, to meet at a payphone, uh, like, wherever they get further instructions. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. And uh, they, they give McLean his badge back, and Samuel Jackson Very like, begrudgingly. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, obviously he's doing police shit now, so they got fuck it. And uh, Samuel Jackson's like, fuck this, I'm out. He gives him the fuck this shit, I'm out. And then just like, goes to the police station. McLean stops him and goes like, that first bomb was the park by Harlem. He's like, alright, I'll help. And bomb bomb busted in a park in Harlem while he was lying. Oof. To get him to get him to work with them, which is uh, mean, but that's what John McClane does. So who cares? <laughs> At least he admits it to him later in the film, right? When they're already buddies, so it, the stakes are lower, I guess. Uh, well, payphone. Yeah. Anyway, to get the payphone, there's an old lady there. Like, get the fuck off the phone. She's like, no. And he shows his badge. He's like, get the fuck off the phone. <laughs> and then Samuel Jackson's like, official police business. Get off the phone. And finally, she's like, yeah, fuck you. Get the you. fuck out of here. <laughs> and finally, she gets the fuck out of there. And uh, Bruce Willis goes and tells him, like, oh, don't, don't talk about police business. I'm the officer. He's like, all right, fuck you. Then he starts walking away. Bruce Willis is like, no, come back, please. <laughs> and he comes I back. need your help. I'm not smart enough to solve these Riddler challenges, please. Because right. <laughs> that's kind of what this turns into. He's giving him, yeah. like, riddles. It's interesting. I like it. I would watch a whole Batman-ass movie that's like this, by the way. Yeah. Just, just please. I want a Riddler movie. They haven't done it right. There is a Riddler movie, but it ain't it ain't it ain't no good. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh no no no. <laughs> so anyway, I guess Mr. Structure, you gotta go to this train station and get to this payphone or else I'll blow it up a train. Do anything funky, I blow up the train. Try to get people off the train, I'ma blow up the train. Also, I know you knocked that fat woman off the phone. I'm watching you, ha 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 ha, basically. Um they got to get there real quick. So it's time to steal a car. Yep. So they steal a taxi. Again. Steal another taxi. Yep. It's the second stolen vehicle. Yep. Like, I believe, police there, is, I believe there is three and some bikes. There's two more after that. Lots of uh, extracurricular There's five and two <laughs> bikes. So like seven vehicles total stolen if you count the bikes. I do he, eight. Eight. Eight vehicles stolen. Oh my God, Bruce. Man. About as bad as Captain America in the 90s. 
Yeah. If you remember that. I do. Sorry, that's a low percenter reference. Uh, Captain America, the movie, in the 90s, yeah. he steals cars. Just dead ass. The movie's funny as Captain fuck. Captain America <laughs> walks up to you and gets so like, funny. get the fuck out of the car now. My God. Mm. Anyway, they get the car, and he's, he's he's driving real fast, trying to cut through New York traffic. He's saying, well, Jackson, like, you're going the wrong way, and it's not the fastest way to get through it. It's like, yeah, we're going to go through the park. It's like, that's still not the fastest way. It's like, no, I don't think you understand. <laughs> Literally through the park, like, this is Grand Theft Auto 4. Yeah. <laughs> Just run over a billion hot dog vendors. And they're like, whoa, whoa, and they back up, and you yeah. go over the hot dog stand. If it's GTA 4, they say some dumb bullshit, like, cheesy vaginas, as you hit them with your uh, <laughs> car. Because uh, there can't ever be serious pedestrian dialogue in one of those games. God, no. They always gotta say, like, wow, Cleveland dog, whatever that means. I remember that one specifically. Never yeah. knew what that meant. Yeah, so they cut through the park, and they're and with a little crazy, like, goofy little scene. They're just, like, not getting, trying to get people out of the way, and they're bumping into shit, almost hitting trees. It's a fun scene. Uh, I think it's a good time to point out, though, that this movie is kind of shot poorly for some reason. In not many, always. Yeah, in many scenes, it's, like, shot really bad. Um, You know, it kind of feels like a movie that was put into the wrong aspect ratio later. Like, when you're watching a widescreen movie and you watch a full-screen movie. Like, a, a movie that's made in widescreen and then you watch it in full-screen. Right. And now, all of a sudden, everything is zoomed in a little bit. And the characters' faces take up more of the screen. It felt like that, except this is how it was originally intended to be. That We watched sense. it in widescreen. Yeah. I don't understand why it was so close on everybody's faces the whole time. Uh, it was really uncomfortable. I don't want to be inside of Bruce Willis's nose. I don't want to be inside anybody's nose. <laughs> There's no reason to have these extreme close-ups for every conversational scene in this movie. Yeah, it's weird. Um, also, a lot of really bad shaky cam stuff, which I hate. Really bad shaky cam shit. Oh, my God. I realized it was like probably like before the popularization of shaky cam shit. And even before good handheld stuff at all. Well, at least for, like, action. It's like he had the handheld, right? Yeah. And he was, like, scenes where, like, the cameraman would be running behind them. He was also shaking the camera. Yeah, it felt like, yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, it's one of the uh, asterisks I would definitely mention in terms of saying yeah. this movie is good. It's good, but this if is kind of distracting. I would enjoy this movie a lot more if it was shot better. and uh, For sure. I don't know what the fuck was up with that shit. Don't know why they decided to do that. It's like we needed to be inside of Bruce Willis's head. But, like, literally, just get the camera closer to him. We'll identify with him more. (laughs) (laughs) So they get to the park with a bunch of, like, really shoddily shot shit. Like, really fast cut shaky cam. It's fucking dumb. Some of it was fun. Some of it was fun. It's a fun segment, still. Don't get me wrong. Man, you see what I'm actually doing? Tree! And he has to, like, maneuver past the tree without (laughs) trying to break the fucking car. Mm. A bunch of people are trying to get out of I don't know how he didn't break the car anyway. He sure fucking zooms it over some shit and just crunches it on the pavement. And it's it's fine. It's good. Yeah. New York builds their 1995 taxi cabs pretty well, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm. So they all hit each other on the fucking road (laughs) trying to push back to it. Hey, get the fuck out of the way! (laughs) Oh, what's the matter, you? Bam, bam, bam. Hey! <laughs> what the fuck? 
Ah, New York, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Greatest fuck city in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so they get out, out of the park on the street, and they're like, haha, we're making great time now, and then they get caught in traffic. Like, fuck. Yeah. This is going to take forever. It might not work. Bruce Willis like, all right. I'm going to call an ambulance and say, Officer Towns. Yeah. <laughs> Like him a little further ahead. He's being forced to do all this, but maybe we kind of understand why he was uh, suspended from the force. He's a shithead. Because he's willing to do whatever it takes. Right. uh, To the point where he's doing insane shit in this movie. But he had to. I feel like this is a more stressful situation than uh, that requires some shit like this. Right. Thinking quick on your feet. Yeah, because this dude's trying to kill a bunch of people. (sighs) Yeah. Let's not give a shit. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Uh, they get a little further ahead, but they're still running behind. And they're right by a subway entrance. The good old Bruce, Bruce, like, all right, I'm getting out of the car. You drive. You go to that payphone. I'm gonna take care of the bomb. That way, we're we're t- covering each other's asses. Like, okay. And they go off to do it. Bruce Willis gets on the train. He doesn't just no. He gets on the train yeah. because he goes down to the subway and the train's already leaving. He's like, ah, fuck, and he has to pull a grate off. And jump onto the subway car. Of course he does. Yeah. Can't enter anything a normal way. No, it's diehard. You gotta do some crazy shit. You gotta, you gotta climb up the elevator, jump yeah. on the subway, or... By the way, do you think there's a scene in an elevator in every Die Hard movie? Because so far so there far. is. I think, yeah. I think there is. I'm okay with that. One's like less of an elevator, more of like, like, like a lift. In like four? Yeah. I haven't seen four, so I wouldn't know. Have you seen four? The one with Ash- is that the one with Ashton Kutcher? Ashton Kutcher ain't any of them. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Nah, Ashton Kutcher. Who? What's his fucking name? I got no clue. I got no answer. I'll for look you, it buddy. up later. But he's with some dumb kid. Okay, so anyway, subway time. Uh, Bruce Willis is getting on the subway, pushing past people trying to find where the bomb is. He finds it, and he's gonna throw it out of the subway so that nobody gets fucking killed. Same old Jackson. Justin Long. I don't know why I thought it was Ashton yeah, Kutcher. Yeah, no. Live, not even live close. Live die hard. Which is, is that four? That's four. Yeah. What a title. That's a good day to die hard is fit. Yeah. It's, it's a bad day to watch a film when you watch <laughs> that movie. We'll see. I don't know. I'm going to doubt that I like it, but the, that Rotten Tomatoes rating tells me I'm not going to like it. The next it. one's terrible, too. So. Oh, fuck. Justin Long sucks. Oh man, we're at we're at the end of good diehard movies. Yeah. So anyway, Samuel L. Jackson is trying to answer the phone, but there's a guy on it, and he tells the guy to fuck off and get off the damn phone. But he's alone. He doesn't have Bruce Willis with him, and this means that a cop immediately pulls a gun on him and says, "Hands in the air." Samuel L. Jackson's like, "I'm just gonna answer the phone, okay? I gotta answer the phone. You shoot me if you got to, but I'm gonna answer the phone." And he does. But then Simon is like, oh, were you supposed to be here with John McClane? So, uh, fuck you, I'm dating in the bomb. Oops. They fucked up. Meanwhile, John finds the bomb in the train. Yeah. He's like, fuck, gotta get this thing out of here. And right as it's about to go off, throws it out the back window, and it blows up. Yeah. Fucking causing all kinds of chaos, but thankfully no fatalities. John McClane saved all those people. Get on you, John McClane. He did it. And they, they come out, and cops talk to him, and uh, they get their next objective. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember the seg- sequence of events because they keep going from place to place in this movie. It's quite a bit of it. Yeah, this one they get into a van with FBI guys. And right, and we finally find out what is actually happening here. Right. Simon is actually Hans Gruber's brother. Simon. Simon Gruber. Uh, who, it seems, is out for revenge on the guy who threw his brother out of a building. And uh, I was okay with this twist. I didn't know it. I haven't seen this movie before, and I didn't read about it. That's some cool shit. Yeah. Um, It's really cliche. It's, It's like sequel 101. You know what I mean? Like, who's the villain for our sequel? How about the villain's brother? Out for revenge. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> that way we can just have the same character, basically. Yeah. Well, they're they're there are key differences between yeah. them. I, I liked that they uh, operate differently. Yeah. Jeremy Irons, spoiler, is uh, yeah. the villain here. Uh, he's Simon Gruber. I think they operate differently, and he's kind of a different guy. Um, I like Simon Gruber quite a lot because uh, we end up meeting him here in a minute as he's watching them, and then we kind of like cut away from. Uh, our heroes and we kind of get acclimated with our villains and their plot in an extended sequence. Yeah. Uh, So he sends, he's like, all right, I got a bomb planted at a school in New York, in New York. But there are a lot of those. Yeah. Just like 4,000 schools or something like that. Or 1,000 schools, like 1,300 schools, something like that in New York. Good luck. So, tell the cops to go find that in the meantime. He's sending our two heroes to uh, go run to this other payphone in a park. Okay. So, they break off and they go do their shit. So, this gets the entire police force to go searching around these schools. There's no cops around. So, in pulls, uh, we see our villain finally. And it looks like what would be his right-hand man. And they pull up with a bunch of dump trucks, acting like they're construction guys, and they're here to start taking care of the subway problem. The police buy it. Police chief buys the hell out of it. Greets them and everything, shows them what the subway stuff is, and they kind of take over from there. Police chief goes and fucks off to deal with the school stuff, and here's where the villains start hatching their plan. Using what got blown up in the subway... To uh, sneak in right. to the Federal Reserve, I believe. Yes. And it turns out their plan is not to get revenge on Bruce Willis. Sorry, John McClane. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> Ain't much of one. But to steal billions and billions of dollars 17 billion to be exact yeah i love this whole segment by the way it's oddly enough unlike a lot of the film it's shot really interestingly the shot when they're first walking into the reserve is really fucking cool yeah um and they're using uh that fucking uh i just looked it up uh when johnny comes marching home yeah song uh classic american civil war tune um, it's used in a, in a billion things for multiple different versions. I'm not sure why they chose to use it for German terrorists anthem, but I digress. I don't know. Maybe just because of the irony of them robbing America of its money. Yeah. Uh, which is what they're doing. 
I liked its usage. It's really cool. I like when they use a classic piece of uh, music mm-hmm. to score a movie yeah. for a brief time. Scoring this movie's okay. It's all right. Die Hard never really has wowed me with its score. No. Probably because they're kind of just using it to... Just in, in moments where it needs to, you know... Have some Feel going. heightened. Right. Yeah. And also they've been kind of hobbled together from this point from multiple other films. Yeah. <laughs> like Die Hard 1 was. So, when they get in there, hatch their plot. They break into the Federal Reserve. And they start stealing all the gold and putting it on their dump trucks. Hell yeah. They get somebody to drill in through through the back of the reserve, through the hole they blew in the subway. And they get in the back of there and they start stealing fucking everything. Yeah. All the gold. A lot of gold. Yes. Too much gold. So much gold. $17 billion yeah. of gold. They loaded, I think, eight dump trucks. Yeah. It is. And they get the fuck out of there. In the meantime, we go back to our heroes here. They go to a park. And there's a bomb. Oh, yeah, it's time for the riddles, the Riddler's Challenge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he answers the phone. There's a bomb sitting there. And they're like, oh, fuck. Here's a bomb. And Bruce Willis goes over it. Samuel Jackson's like, don't open that. It could arm the bomb. And he's like, ah, fuck it. He opens it, and then it comes up on the screen and says, bomb armed. He's like, I fucking told you. <laughs> it's great. Fun buddy cop shit. It could have been armed anyway. <coughs> yeah, probably. He was. probably would have instructed them to open the bomb right. case. So, yeah. Because he wanted them to do this stupid thing, mm-hmm. for sure. So you get this big, big complicated bomb, has the bomb on in, inside the briefcase, but also there's a phone, and a screen, and a scale. And he, he calls the bomb phone. They answer said bomb phone. He says, hey, behind you, there's two jugs. One's a five-gallon jug. One's a three-gallon jug. Fill it with exactly four gallons of water. Set it on this scale. If you're off at all, bomb goes off. Have fun. Click. And they go, fuck. So they start arguing about it. Figuring out how to do it. Here we get some more race race cringe. <laughs> In this well, movie. Yeah, that's true. But I also really like this scene because it's just them arguing. Yeah, that's that part of it's fun. About how the fuck to solve this puzzle. Needed a man like Professor Layton on this case. What the fuck? Would have done that no problem. Loves a good puzzle, that Professor Layton. Oh, sure does. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, I don't even know how they solve it, to be honest. I think they just kind of fail into success. On that one. Yeah, they, they somehow they're arguing. Got, they somehow got two gallons into the five-gallon jug. Yeah, I don't know how they did that, though. They got... Because they got it has to be exact, right? So how did they do that exact? I have no idea. I just... Oops. There's a way to do it. I just don't know how. It's a real legitimate thing you could solve. By distribution, pouring one jug into another, like, twice, and then, like, cycling it back or something. Sure. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's like that Resident Evil puzzle where you're fucking with the toxin. <laughs> hit the green button, hit the blue button, hit right. the red button. Oh, no, my brain hurt. I fucked up the Resident Evil puzzle. Ugh. Those moments are all over uh, the first game, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. 
Anyway. Making the juice to kill the plant. Make it the juice. Oh, my God. I hated doing that. It's confusing. That's a similar uh, That's a similar puzzle to what yes. they did here. Yes. Getting to get in the correct sure. amount using different sizes. Yes. That's what they did for this. Uh, they argue about it. You get a cringy, cringy race moment where Bruce was like, what, you hate white people? You racist? And like, oh, Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up. <laughs> And then they get the music figured out. They slam that shit on there. They they give they give a whoop and high five. Yeah, dude. They, they got, solved races. <laughs> the guy calls again. He's like, "Oh, good job." Now you gotta go to the to the ballpark Yankee inside Stadium. this envelope with some tickets to Yankee Stadium. You gotta figure something out. Like, oh, okay. So uh, they start to head towards that. These kids come by on bikes or stealing shit. Bruce Willis stops them. And they're like, hey, don't have cops around. We can just do whatever the fuck we want. Get the hell off me. And then that's when it hits them then. Oh, yeah. It was a pretty dumb. Pretty yeah, dumb moment. Like, oh. Bruce Willis suddenly realizes that the terrorists don't want to just fuck with him. That doesn't make sense. They want to do something else. And I don't know how he puts together to go to the Federal Reserve. But he does. Just somehow. Just somehow figures out. He thinks about if you're going to rob somewhere in New York City... While everyone is preoccupied, literally no every cop. Right. Yeah. In an area where there's no It is no worth schools. pointing out that uh, Terrorist Man says he will detonate things if they use official police channels. Yeah. So it, everything's re- being rewired through, like, just the city communications, I'm pretty sure. Yes. And it's clogging up the lines a shitload. And so the cops can't get anything done about anything except the current terrorist crisis they're on right now, yep, which, which is, is the perfect ploy for the terrorists to go do something else. Which is steal all the gold in the Federal Reserve. Yes. So Bruce Willis figures that out just because he, you know, has a Jimmy Neutron brain, brain blast moment, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> he does, though. He does. He just figures it out. It's like the end of a case in like the recent Phoenix Wright games where it's like, wait a minute, what if I aligned all my thoughts? <laughs> Ah, uh, yes! The murderer was actually someone who we didn't consider until this moment. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. One of those. Um, right. So he But starts, whatever, he figures it out. Yeah, Yay. so he starts heading off towards the Federal Reserve. He's like, hey, take the bomb to the copy cops. I'm going to go check out the Federal Reserve. You're like, okay. So, Samuel Jackson walks up to cop guys. Who, because of the plot that's been leading up to this point, we know that a bunch of people who are dressed up as cops are actually working with the Germans. Yes. The German terrorists. So they walk up, and uh, he's on the phone with Mr. Gruber. And he, Gruber uh, 2. Gruber 2. Gruber Gru- Gruber. Gruber 2 Gruber. <laughs> God damn it. I'm so happy I came up with that. I hate you were so watching much. The movie. I was so pissed. Dude, it's a great film. Gruber 2 Gruber. <laughs> Double Gruber. So when Samuel Jackson walks up, it's like, all right, well, we've been we've been had. Here comes good old John McClane. The other guys with the, what we do with them. Guys, like, I ah, don't kill him, let him go. As far as he knows, you know, he's innocent. Yeah, he's just in this because Simon told him to. Right. So he hands so he hands him the bomb. Like, please get rid of this bomb. He's like, okay. Thank you for your thank you for your help. Bye. Gets in the car, pulls off. They argue in German. Because the one guy's like, I don't want to put this bomb on I want to mention this for a, uh alternate ending that they didn't film. Oh, okay. Okay, so um, 
I believe we are left to assume that uh, from the alternate ending, as it was originally intended, that the bomb still works, and Bruce Willis rearms the damn thing, then hands it to these cops, then they take it with them, assuming it's unarmed, and they're just taking it away with them for whatever. Because they take it with them the whole way. I believe we lose track of this bomb. Yes. Eventually, because it ceases to matter. But this plot point is still kind of in the movie. They even have a scene later on where they switch it into a vehicle. Am I correct? They switch it? No, not that I know of. They, well, they put it in the back. They put it in the back of the car they're driving. But then they put it in another car later. Unless it's another bomb. No, wait. They give it back to them, and don't they use it to blow the dam? Ah, yes, that's right. Okay. I believe so. I believe so. Bomb. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, it was basically, I think, going to somehow get on the bad guys. Helicopters, they get away. Or whatever they used to get away. At the end of the movie, on the boat. And uh, as Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson escaped from the explosion at the end of the film... They would have went, uh, Samuel Jackson would have went, oh man, but they got away with everything. They got away with it. We lost. And Bruce Willis was going to be like, oh, I'm not so sure. And then they would, uh, they would have Simon discovering the rigged bomb from this part of the film was on their helicopter the whole time. Bruce Willis snuck it on there. And, uh, Simon would say, does anyone by any chance have a four liter jug? And then it would, the helicopter would explode and they would die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it didn't go with that. Yeah, well, looking at it, it probably would have been convoluted if they didn't show a scene of Bruce Willis actually putting it on there. And if they wanted to do that anyway, it would have ruined that moment anyway. Um, but whatever. That's far from even being the most interesting alternate ending to this film. Oh, Jesus. Uh, we'll get to it. It's it's one they actually filmed. We could, You can watch it if you want. The mm. one I will talk about. But we'll get to that at the end of the movie. Okay. So uh, Where we're at now... Getting towards the climax. Da Banky Bank. Da Feral Reserve. Yeah, so he walks into the bank, sees an officer there, greets with him. Like, hey, did you do anything crazy going on here? He's like, no, everything seems fine. I thought there's one of your cop guys. Like, oh, okay, hi, cop I'm not guy. sure. Oh, get on the elevator. Everything's cool. <laughs> they get on the elevator. This is my favorite scene in a movie, Justin. Yes, it's really awesome. So he's looking around, and he just, like, he notices that they all have the same fucking badge number. No, 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 no. He notices that one of those cops earlier in the film stole a badge off a dead cop. And Bruce Willis knew that dead cop. Oh, that's what it is. Because that dead cop had a badge number that he mentioned earlier in the film because he plays that badge number in the lottery. I thought they all had that same badge number is what it was. I see I did did not pick up on that at all. (laughs) They mentioned it earlier in the in in, in the first scene with Bruce Willis in in the movie. Yeah, like all cops play their badge numbers. You still play that badge number? Because he remembered it for some reason. It was like 6991 or some shit like Oh, okay. That. I see. Uh, he's like, he pl- still playing 6991, your badge number? And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, it still ain't coming out. Uh, so Willis remembers that and sees that badge number on a guy that isn't that guy. And that's how he's tipped mm-hmm. off. Okay. So anyway, this move, the scene, even if you don't understand that, is lit. Because, like, Willis is like, oh, okay. So I'm going to get fucked here if I, unless I do something. And he begins talking about the lottery. Yep. Yeah, you guys play the lottery? Oh, I do every day. I don't hit much, but... Uh, <laughs> and then he just starts shooting all of them. 
and it's like really close quarters. The the fucking tight camera angles serve to make this scene work as opposed to the rest of the movie where they don't they're like very because open areas. You need it for this scene so that it feels fucking tense and awkward because it should. Not the rest the of the movie. I, I don't know. He's shooting the fuck out of people in the goddamn elevator. Yeah. This is like one of my favorite scenes in an elevator of all time. You got the ones from the other Die Hard movies. You got this one. You got Winter Soldier. It's a great elevator scene. You got yeah. Drive. Fantastic elevator oh scene. Oh my god. What is it about elevators, man? They're claustrophobic and awkward. And Good one in Gremlins it. too, as well, yeah. by the way. They're claustrophobic and awkward, mm. so stuff in there kind of gets like amplified. <laughs> Gremlins 2 1 is legendary. Oh my god. They start doing the alarm noise, remember? Yep. No, bless Gremlins 2. Great movie. <laughs> Anywho. Die kills all of them. At the same time, Samuel Jackson discovers the giant hole in the back of the Federal Reserve. Yeah. So he walks down it as mm. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Links up with Bruce Willis. Yeah. They keep doing that in this movie. They keep getting separated and then linking back together. Right. As if New York wasn't a humongous city that people could get lost in and not be able to find somebody but again. To be fair, he was like right outside of the Federal Reserve. Sure. There is one moment later on where it almost doesn't make sense. Where right. We'll uh, him finding Bruce Willis is implausible. But whatever. Fuck it. It's a movie. Um, I don't care about that shit too no, much. No, me neither. You know, I'm not the kind of person to go over plot holes with a fine tooth comb. Are you cinema sins? Mm. Oh, cinema sins. <laughs> I'm rubbing my nipple, by the way. Oh, cinema sins. Look, they fucking they, they ruined Star Wars that the ship does the thing. Ugh! So anyway, Die Hard. Yeah, I don't care about that shit. That's no, all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Neither should you. You the listener. <laughs> Fuck. Stop doing that. It's a movie. Go with the flow sometimes. But anyway. I like bitching about things like that sometimes. I just did with The Walking Dead earlier. But that's also a show that has done that thing 20 times. Right. So I get sick of it after a while. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, get a little fun little quip. McLean falls out of the elevator. Samuel Jackson's like, are you okay? He's like, nah, don't worry about it. It's not my blood. And then he just kind of gets... Oh, that was so good, because he blew up a guy's fucking head with that yeah. gun. Ooh. Some gruesome deaths in this movie. There are. Yeah. There's a couple of them that are really gruesome. Yeah. That's one of them. He's For like, sure. He's got the head, the blood just splashes on his face. <laughs> and so he goes and gets himself cleaned up and kind of details out the plot to Samuel Jackson. Be like, hey, here's what happened. And they came in... They came into the back, stole all this gold, hands up a bar of gold. And Samuel Jackson's like, oh, fuck. It's like, now we gotta go after him. They ain't gonna let you keep that. And he's like, fuck that. <laughs> uh, McLean has another brain blast. <laughs> and he's like, oh, they use dump trucks. Like the one we saw brain earlier. Brain blast. <laughs> and time they, to steal another car, I right. guess. Yeah, so it's time to go steal another car <laughs> and go after these dump trucks. This movie is Grand Theft Auto. They keep stealing cars to go from location to so location. They, so they steal a little car. They and they're answering it. pay phones to do missions. It's literally Grand Theft Auto. And they drive through the park. Recklessly endangering several people. Are you saying that Die Hard with the Vengeance is just Grand Theft Auto 4? It's, no, it's kind of a mixture between all of them. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm really saying that Die Hard's influence can be felt. Even outside of one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, even this movie, I feel its influence in other things, for sure. Yeah. 
It does things. It's fun. Are we on our way to Yankee Stadium, but then Bruce Willis decides not to be on the way to Yankee Stadium? Here's what happens. So now, somewhere at, they they stay this little yellow car, and it's not going fast enough because it's an economy car, a little baby boy economy car. Right. First of all, by the way, he uses like a little butter knife to like start the car, which does not work. Yeah, that's a that's an applicable cinema sin right there. Like I'm like hotwire. Just have him hotwire the car. Stupid. He's like, hey, I know how to do this. I'm a locksmith. And then if you want to even do it, you just have uh, you know Bruce Bruce Willis have him be mean to Bruce Willis. Well, you just assume I can hotwire a car because I'm black. And then he does it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. At this rate, it'd be par for the course for this movie, right? Yeah. So they they're going in, like this economy's too slow. Bruce Willis like, let me drive real quick. And he slams the car into another faster car right next to him. It's a sporty rich guy's car. And, and then, you know, tells the police business, give me your car. Takes the car, has a phone in it, too. And that's kind of why he wanted the car. And then, Fucking uh, cell phones, they don't work. Yeah. So they drive away, and then, like, they, he left the gold brick in the other car. It's like, oh, that guy's going to be pissed. That guy's pissed off. He's like, well, he's not going to be pissed off when he looks inside that car. There's a gold bar in it. Great fun. Right. So they get to... Um, they get to the piping system that's being, that I guess is being installed in New York City at the time, so where they trace them back. All the way to this point. They talk to one of, they talk to the lead foreman there. Be like, yeah, dump trucks go, they've been, you know, coming up through these, but we, we have them going through the new line, that's the old line, and for some reason a bunch of trucks went through that one. And it's like, up oh, there they are, they went through that line. Yep. So he tells Samuel Jackson to go to the stadium while he gets in a dump truck with the with the guy he ran into. Jerry. Jerry. So on his hard hat. <laughs> yeah, Jerry's dump truck. And uh, goes into the tube to yeah. figure out what's going on in there. Jerry's giving them the tour, by the way. Yep. Explain to them how the, how the system works. And he's like, wow, this is fascinating, Jerry. Please tell me more, <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> and and then, they come up uh, to some other trucks parked. Yep. He's like, oh, shit. Here we are. Dad borrows borrows Jerry's hard hat and invest. Mm-hmm. Comes up and like, hey, like, hey, I'm, I'm I'm Jerry Fucko. I'm I'm security, and runs and up, shoots them, shoots them <laughs> through the truck. By the way, that's a powerful pistol you got there, McClane. That was an, he would use an SMG. Oh, me. okay, that makes more sense. Though. Yeah, I thought it was a pistol. Was a, he shot like automatic. way too much if it was a pistol. Yeah, it was an automatic weapon. He was using because he, he took an SMG from one of the other guys' bodies earlier in the movie. Sure, sure, sure. Why not? One of the guys he killed in the elevator. Ho, ho, ho! Now we have a machine gun. Right. Except for this movie. But speaking of which, does this movie take pl- like take place around Christmas? Because there's a couple references to Christmas, and Die Hard has traditionally took place on Christmas. No, this but this one seems like to the, not. No, these ones don't take place on Christmas anymore. It's got to be like fall because school's in session, or maybe like spring. It's like spring. It's what it feels like. It looks like it's, it's a spring. really rainy movie, so spring would make sense yeah. to me. There's a lot of rain. That would be that would make sense. Like, if it was winter in New York, it'd be snowy as fucking cold. Like right, you, you, it wouldn't make sense. Snow. Right. Just weird to me that they reference Christmas at all. Then maybe because it's you know reference to Die Hard. Right, things. that's all it was. Yeah. Made you joke about Santa Claus because of Die Hard One. I suppose that's what it is. It's not nowhere near Christmas in New York. Not not a Christmas film. First two, no. first two work. None of them are Christmas films anywhere. That's it. 
Sad. They should all be on Christmas. Like the the rest, the other two like take place like I guess during the summer or something. I don't know. <laughs> John McClane should be cursed to have to do something every Christmas. That'd That's the Die Hard franchise. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. But they wanted to have a buddy cop movie strolling around in, in summer, spring. I past. don't blame their choice. It's a, it's. A, I like this movie because it does break the formula a bit. Yeah, it makes it kind of a more of a sprawling adventure as opposed to like a tight knit in one location kind of thing. Yeah, like you know, one is in the building, two is in the airport, and they venture outside a little bit, but like mostly you're con- confined to like a couple sets basically. Yeah, and this one is all over the place, and I liked that about it. It was a real, like, you know, trying to beat the clock, driving around all over the place, running all over the place kind of movie. And I dug that about it. That's fun. So after he kills the guy, he gets he gets the dump truck and starts trying to catch up to the other dump trucks who are up forward. It has the whole crew on it. Um, dead Alan Rickman's brother. Yeah. Simon Gruber. Yeah. Jeremy gets on, gets on the walkie and goes like, Hey, bud, you, you can come up and back it up the rear, buddy. Come on up. They're not answering. Like, and then oh, yeah, and Bruce Willis gets on the, on the line and it's like, Ha-ha, fuck you, LMAO, blah, 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 blah. Uh, or something like that. Yeah, so basically. <laughs> basically what he does. Suck my dick. <laughs> Angry Bird gets pissed off like, Oh, God damn it. Here we go. Would you be willing to make a deal? He says, absolutely not, fucko. <laughs> Hangs up. He should have did it. You could buy a lot of alcohol with a billion dollars. There wasn't gold in the back of that truck. That's true. He was trying to trick him. Because mm-hmm. he was tricking everybody in this yeah. movie. Spoiler alert for Die Hard from 1995. Jesus. Mm, which we're spoiling right now anyway. So they pull out into the dam. And like, oh, fuck, we have to take care of him. And uh, they get a bomb. And they're going to blow the dam and drown him. Oops. So they blow the dam. McLean's trying to get across, across a little gappy gap there that got fucked up. And then he hears the roaring water, gets in the truck and tries to back away from it. And instead the truck gets carried by the current in some detrocious looking CGI. <laughs> some bad CG water. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. And then he uh, grapples onto one of the uh, one of the manhole exits, which uh, good old Jerry told him about. In a previous scene. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Bless, Bless you, Jerry. Up. Bless Hope up Jerry's Jerry. not still in that tunnel when the water starts coming through, because he was in there with Bruce Willis. Oh, no. Jerry! <laughs> Jerry's dead. Fuck! <laughs> Rest in peace, Jerry. They don't show Jerry dying. I'm assuming Jerry lives. Nah, he's probably fine. Jerry will live. Jerry will live forever. <laughs> so the water, like, spits him out, like, literally. Yeah, like a geyser, like... Yeah, and then it just so happens Samuel Jackson's pulling up. This is the un- implausible one that doesn't yeah. make any sense. He just finds him and he's like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> in between that, he went to the stadium and uh, there wasn't any kind of like puzzle or anything there, but there was a sniper ready to shoot John McClane. But they didn't shoot uh, Samuel Jackson. Right. We keep calling him Samuel Jackson. His character's name is Zeus. That's right. I forgot. That's uh, why it's Samuel Jackson. Which is a strange name. I like it though. Yeah, it's fun. Interesting choice. All right, so, sorry, my I brain farted for a second. Yeah, I'm trying to think. No, I know what happens next. So, uh, yeah, Zeus picks up good old Brucey, and then they <laughs> Brucey, and then they try to go figure out what the fuck to do next because there's nothing at the there's nothing at the ballpark, and he just lost him. Well, he's uh following the uh, 
dump trucks as they're driving on the road. Driving down the road. No, they're not driving down the road anymore. They the were or whatever. They were they were at the other end of the dam. Yeah. And he didn't get to meet him out there. But as he's getting back to Samuel Jackson's well, Zeus's car, they start getting shot at. Like, oh That's fuck, he jumps is. in the car and the, the people who were going to kill him were tailing them to get to McLean. And they give a little chase scene here where they're shooting at each other and shit. Bumping into cars, knocking shit around. It's a fun little scene. Uh, shot a little too shaky cammy and chaotically for, for sure. my liking. For sure. I don't like that shit. I'm not a big fan of it. It's just like, I'd like to see what's going on. Lots of action movies overuse it now, too. Oh, for yeah. sure. Maybe it's less prevalent now. Just like, I don't keep know. it a little bit more steady so you can see what's happening. I'm hoping the more things like John Wick are popular, they'll just delete steady cam from action films. Yeah. I don't need it anymore. Oh, God. No, thank you. Fuck that shit. Annoying to watch. Because you can't see, you can't like focus. I don't need to vomit while I'm watching a film. Right, I can't focus while that's happening. It's it's just too much. <sighs> so even they, if, uh, uh... Even if you're Blair Witch Project, fuck, fuck off, dude. I don't need this shit. <laughs> So they kill the people in the truck, and they they start flipping through, and then McLean does the thing he's been doing for the last two movies. He kills a guy and starts flipping through his wallet. <laughs> Our hero, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Finds he has ten quarters, though. He's like, the same guy that I just killed earlier had ten quarters. And he connects that they need it to go over to bridge. Brain blast! Brain blast! <laughs> He has to go over the bridge. Bruce Willis turned on detective mode to, to figure out. Jesus Christ. Jeez. So he gets on, so they get on the bridge and they're like, oh fuck, they're already on a boat. You see him down there? Dump truck's on a boat. Fuck. They gotta jump down to it. But that would be suicide. So they gotta use this cable thing. And then they be, you can't just jump down there. Cable's there. Cut you in half. Yeah, you can't attach this to the boat. Yes, yes they would. They would cut you in half mm-hmm. if a cable like that hit you. Oh, yeah, yeah they, it would. But they, but like, all right, we're going to attach the cable to the boat and shimmy on down. Okay, and they go and do it. and uh, But then they're getting shot at. Maybe the guy notices them, they get, they're getting shot at. And then the truck gets runs out of rope, because there was a rope thing attached to the truck. And yeah. it gets ripped off the bridge, and they fall. And while the cable's tumbling down, it cuts the guy in half. Was that was sick. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. And then Zeus peeks over like, oh, you weren't kidding. Oh, yeah, because he was about to just jump on it. Right. Because at this point, uh, something we haven't talked about for a bit is the side plot that takes up a lot of this movie, which is uh, they find out which school to go to. The uh, Arthur. Yeah, that's Whatever clue they were trying to come up with is the 21st president, and it's Chester A. Arthur. So it's the Chester A. Arthur Elementary School, which is where Samuel Jackson's kids are. So he's really uh, now more motivated Right. To stop this bomb from going off at this school. And all the cops go there, and they're, uh, you know, trying to talk the kids through it, and they're trying to find where the bomb is. They do find where the bomb is. They got their demolitions expert man on it, Drew Carey. It's not Drew Carey. I'm just, I I don't know who it is. Um, There's so many side characters in this movie that don't really have development. They're just there. And, you know, it's not boring, because I was was wondering what was going to happen with the actual terrorist plot that was going on. So everything that was happening, I was, you know... uh, Invested, but I wasn't invested in any of the characters besides Bruce Willis, Samuel Jackson, and Jeremy Irons. That's yeah. really all you need to know about this movie. It's a, it's a movie with like three characters, and then there's other characters, but are they characters really? No. Just a bunch of cops. 
that I don't remember the names of any of them. <laughs> Commanding officer man, other cop, girl cop, other cop, demolitions cop. That's it. Yep. So they're just trying to get stuff handled at the school. Yeah. So flip back to the other two. Uh, this is where the, pretty much the rest of the movie happens for the most part besides one other scene. Um, they they get on the boat. They're on the boat now. They're ready to go. Samuel Jackson, Zeus, gets a... Gets a a gun. And he's like, you know how to use that? He's like, no. Make some kind of dumb race. <laughs> Just because I'm black again. don't mean I know how to use a gun. Yeah, shut the fuck up. You Jesus. honky. <laughs> Doesn't say that. I'm just kidding. The guy who wrote this was white, wasn't he? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, he was. What do you think? Yeah, he was. The guy who wrote Jumanji was probably white. Oh, yeah, white. actually, yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely white. And Armageddon and wrote and directed oh, yeah. The Punisher. White as fuck. Yeah, I'm going to guess well, yeah, so. The, the, the dialogue in this sounds like it's written by a white man when it talks about race. For real. <laughs> anyway. He goes off, teaches him how to use it. It's like, all you got to do is just pull that thing back and shoot. And I'm not thinking about something else that gets brought up very Safety. Soon. Yep, he didn't take the safety off. Oops, should have brain blasted harder on that one, Bruce Willis. Should have told him to turn the fucking safety he off. brain blast three times for a phone, bud. <laughs> he ran out of detective points or whatever. <laughs> what the fuck was the things in L.A. Noir? I forget. Intuition. Intuition points. That's right. He that's spent right. all of them. It's going to get an F rank on this case now. Damn. Just keep pressing X. <laughs> Press X to brain blast. Uh. So uh, Zeus starts sneaking around the boat. Oh, he finds Simon and uh, yep, the whole gang. Uh, there's like another guy. Uh, who's like more like a terrorism expert man. Yeah. And his wife... Who is like a assassin lady? Yeah, we saw her kill somebody earlier. I guess it's worth noting that they're not as interesting as the uh, side terrorists, as in like Die Hard One, right. for instance, uh, like Carl and the technician guy and all that shit. Like they're way more interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, again, this movie's side characters are very lacking. Right. But the three are very good. Yeah. So so Zeus walks up with the gun, tells him to freeze. They go all shoot, and then and then uh, Simon notices that the safety's on. He's like, "Yeah, go ahead, buddy." He pulls the trigger, like, "Oh, I forgot to take the safety off." Grabs the gun, takes the safety off, and shoots him in the foot. Oh my god, that was such a good moment. Jeremy Irons is so deliciously fucking cocky. Yeah, it's so good. and evil in this movie. I love him. I love him. He's a great villain. I I mean, we we could talk about this now. Probably is he the number two villain? Yeah. Because he's not as good as Hans Gruber. No. But Simon Gruber got to be number two out of Die Hard Villains. And then yeah. Naked Man at number three. <laughs> I'll just keep calling him Naked That's Man. That's all I know him as. Naked Man number three. <laughs> and so, uh, meanwhile, you have McLean going through the, through the bottom of the boat. Um, and he fights other terrorist guy who right. is a big henchman man who has beaten the shit out of him. Bruce Willis takes a lot of damage in this movie. It's mm-hmm. a lot of damage, uh, as he always does in Die Hard films. <laughs> he gets, like, one of their uh, up. one of their key great things about them 
is that uh you know he isn't like a he's the farthest thing from a Mary Sue that John McClane he's he gets the shit kicked out of him all the time constantly <laughs> yeah he comes out goes victorious, through great hardship but... to uh succeed at the end yep so yeah he he ends up beating the hell out of this guy and getting back up to the top this is one of my other favorite moments in the movie where he like uh starts whipping him with some chains yeah and then he just says you ever see the adams family motherfucker on their name such a random moment i wonder yeah. if it was even in the script probably not or if bruce willis just wanted to say it <laughs> i don't know it was it was funny and he runs up and uh, gets to the uh the deck of the boat and there's nobody there he's like what the fuck and then he sees a radio so he grabs a radio and he uh he calls coast guard mm-hmm. like hey uh we got a problem this boat got shit on it come get they're like okay and then you go back to school for a bit right yeah well the, t- the time is ticking down and they don't have the code yet right and then uh do they start getting the kids ready to evacuate by the way Samuel Jackson's kids being untrustworthy of white people no, I'm just kidding I don't know <laughs> they, they, they're going and they fuck off even though the school is supposed to all be in the auditorium yeah, then they just go hide in the classroom. Yeah, I I don't know. They just added. They just wanted to add some tension to the scene because they eventually decide that McLean took too long, and they need to evacuate the kids from the school. Right. Um. And demolition guy is about to get out, but then he finds out that there's kids left, mm-hmm. so he decides to stay and try to disarm the bomb. Yep. So as that's happening, then we come back, um, and another bomb is appearing. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the uh, at the boat, and like, oh, there's a big bomb on the boat. And Gruber shows up, goes like, they start talking, little little, little chit chat. <coughs> Him and McLean, yeah, McLean figures out, yep, there is no bomb at the school. It was a ruse, cruise, literally because the bomb's on the boat. Yep, <laughs> literal ruse, cruise. And like, oh fuck. Mm. A lot of stuff on a boat in this movie. I don't think they cut out all that uh, <laughs> speed two cruise control action. Yeah, I guess they certainly not. still wanted a boat in this movie, apparently. Yeah. Even though they decided not to have the whole movie take place there. That's fine. I prefer it this way. Get a new set. Get a new set piece for the final part of the movie. It's fine. Yeah, I liked it. I dug it. Yeah. So they. So now that you know they're kind of McLean's kind of like fucked up and he's been he's been had. They uh. They both get tied up to the bomb and lowered into the boat while they get away. Yep. There's a little a little side thing we got to mention. The one the one big boy terrorist who got whipped at the chain uh, was down in the bottom of the boat uh, because he was investigating what he thought he was getting cheated out by Gruber, and he was correct. He was. And then he brings that up as they're escaping, and then uh, Russia, the German assassin girl just shoots him in the head. Yeah, it- Revealing that uh, Assassin Girl is actually fucking Gruber now. Yeah. Basically. Uh, has betrayed her husband, question mark? Something. I think they said that they were a couple earlier. Um, doesn't matter. So the bad guys get away. And yep. now Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson are left to die. Strapped to a bomb. But, uh, I don't know, Bruce Willis has another brain blast. By the way, he asked for an aspirin bottle before uh, Gruber leaves. They kind of have a fun moment. 
where uh, he says, your brother was an asshole. And Gruber's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I liked that little reveal because it wasn't really about revenge. Yeah. It was about tricking people into thinking that was the motivation. And then getting away with tons of cash. But then even that was a ruse cruise. And he's just tricking. He tricked like a lot of people into thinking that. Uh, no, because they 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 revealed that their plan was to blow up all the money. Yeah, but that right. Wasn't even the plan. But that wasn't the plan. They blew it all up, but didn't actually blow it all up. Just made them think they blew it all up, and then stole all of it for realties, though. Which I think is an added complication that is kind of strange. Yeah. Then doesn't really work. Don't need it. But whatever. It was just trying to, like, one-up Die Hard 1. Where, like, their the terrorist plan is actually this. But then it's actually this in Die Hard 3. Like right. They went another step beyond for some reason. Because it's a sequel. You gotta go one step beyond for the sequel. Yep, so they break off. So they, they get out of, uh, of being chained up through lockpicking and then uh, him... Locksmith able to lockpick. Yep. And then through Bruce Willis being able to, uh, no, knowing from seeing early in the movie what the compound does when it's put together, it makes it a little explosive to get out, to get him out of his other keys because they lost the pick. Yeah. And they, they go and jump off the boat, boat explodes. Just in the nick of time, by the way. Yep. Barely get off of it as it explodes. Yep, and they get, then they get picked up by the cops. And they're like, oh, fuck. Because it, it, it kind of actually shows, like, oh, this must be the end of the movie. We it looks lost. like it's going to end on a downer ending where the bad guys got away with billions, completely ruining the U.S. economy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Bruce Willis failed to stop them. Interesting to note, before we get to the actual ending, because this is where we pick up our alternate ending that was filmed. And I, I I haven't watched it yet, but I have a description of it that I'll read in a bit here. Okay. Uh, you can find it on Wikipedia if you don't want to uh, look up the ending yourself. Because I don't know if it's on YouTube or anything. It's it's on the special edition DVD of Die Hard with a Vengeance. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Um, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. I mean, it's got to be. But maybe that not, uh, you know, with permission from 20th Century Fox. So. Whatever. You could just go on Wikipedia and read the thing. Or you could just listen to this. In a bit. Yeah. And I read it. But the actual ending of the movie. Yes, he is. you got to get what's off to the middle ending. He's like, oh, he's going to call his wife and try to reconnect with her because of the advice that Zeus told him. But as he's doing that and he's taking the aspirin, he sees something on the aspirin that at first confused me because I didn't know how that gave him a brain blast to figure out where the henchman's lair is, the bad guy's lair is. But uh, he figures it out. It's uh, the name of the hotel oh. they're staying at or whatever that was. Yeah, I think That's so. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. Uh, and then they, you know, they just go attack that shit with some helicopters and a bunch of cops. But still Samuel L. Jackson for some reason. Samuel L. Jackson got a leg wound and is not a cop, but he sure is along for the ride here. Well, I think what happened was they were, you, like, that, that helicopter that they took off in. They just went straight there, right. is the implication. Yeah. It's still weird that they were putting a civilian in danger, basically. Because they're getting shot at in those helicopters. Yeah, like, where they didn't need to. And they to have anymore. to land, and, and then Bruce Willis takes out the bad guy. It's a great uh, risk to his personal safety, because uh, Gruber's trying to take off in this helicopter. 
And Gruber's trying to shoot the fuck out of Bruce Willis with a machine gun from the helicopter. Like a mounted gun in the helicopter. By the way, they arrived just as he was about to fuck German girl. Yeah. LMAO. They make a quip about it. Yeah. And he gets there. Yeah, so him and the German girl get in the chopper. He gets a big old gun. Starts shooting at him. He's like, oh shit. Chopper gets hit. They have to land. And they're like, all right, I'm going to... Then McLean's like, all right, I'm going to get out of the chopper and distract him so you're not getting hurt. And then uh, has this yippee Kaye motherfucker moment when he shoots a cable that... Yeah, very convenient. Good shot, McLean. Glad he didn't miss. He shot twice. He missed the first <laughs> shot. only two bullets and needed to take out a helicopter. And he did it. And he did it. At least yeah. it's more plausible than, like, uh, you remember Spectre? Oh, yeah. <laughs> James Bond takes down a helicopter with a pistol. Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> but hey, whatever. And then when we have our end of the movie, they're, they're kicking back and they're laughing about just killing a dude and his, and his girlfriend. And <laughs> <laughs> well, if you boil it down to the basics, right. yeah, I suppose. But that dude was a bad dude threatening school children. Not really. But basically... Yeah, but basically. Just a really orchestrated thief. And then uh, he grabs people and like, I'm gonna call my wife. Ha ha! She's gonna be pissed, though. Oh, man. And then movie ends. Wah, wah. So what's the ultimate ending? Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. See, okay. I don't know which ending I would have preferred, because I do think this one goes too far in some places. Yeah. For sure. But it is more interesting than this ending, which admittedly does feel tacked on and kind of separate from the actual ending of the movie, which is on the boat. Right. You know what I mean? Which this would have felt like that way, too. It's kind of a problem they had in general with this movie. So the original ending. Again, you can read this on Wikipedia if you want, or you can watch it, whatever you choose to do. But I will recite it verbatim from Wikipedia right okay. here, right now. Yeah, go ahead. In this version, it is presumed that the robbery succeeds and that McLean was used as a scapegoat for everything that went wrong. He is fired from the NYPD after more than 20 years on the force, and the FBI has even taken away his pension. Nevertheless, he still manages to track Simon using the batch number on the bottle of aspirins, and they meet in a bar in Hungary. In this version, Simon has double-crossed most of his accomplices, getting the loot to a safe hiding place somewhere in Hungary, and has the gold turned into statuettes of the Empire State Building in order to smuggle it out of the country. But he is still tracked down to his foreign hideaway. Uh, this version is very similar to Alec Guinness's character's situation in the British heist film The Lavender Hill Mob, uh, made some 45 years earlier, in which the stolen gold was turned into Eiffel Tower paperweights. I don't know. Wikipedia felt necessary to I mention so, that. Yeah. So, McLean is keen to take his problems out on Simon, who he invites to play a game called McLean Says. This involves a form of Russian roulette with a small Chinese rocket launcher that has had the sights removed meaning it is impossible to determine which end is which. McLean then asks Simon some riddles, similar to the ones he played in New York. When Simon gets a riddle wrong, McLean forces him at gunpoint to fire the launcher, which fires the rocket through Simon, killing him. 
McLean has been wearing a flak jacket, which was the answer to the final riddle. What could he have brought to the meeting to save his life? So even if Simon had pointed the launcher the right way, it is likely that the relatively low-velocity rocket would not have caused McLean enough injury to prevent him from shooting Simon. So yeah, that's, uh, that kind of like would have been weird. It's a bummer ending. It's a bummer ending because McLean faces punishment for his actions in this film when I don't feel like it's his fault. I don't know why he would be the scapegoat. Yeah, I don't understand how that would work. Just the FBI pins it on him, I guess. It would be a real bummer ending. I'm going to seek it out and watch it. I'll report back if it's anything different from what I read here. Uh, but uh, I could see why they would want to change that, the studio. I could see why they didn't like the darker tone. Because, like, you know, more. I think more specifically, like, the character of John McClane would be misunderstood by this Yeah, that's segment. not... Like, yeah. this doesn't really sound... He sounds like a psychopath in this scene. Where he's, like, using the terrorist rules to taunt him. And kill him. Like, forcing him to kill himself, honestly. And it it just feels kind of like, not like John McClane to me. He's a gritty character, sure. And you could do some edgy things with him. But you'd rather just walk up to him and shoot him. I I don't think he would fucking toy with him and be as as mean-natured as the bad guys in his films. No, he'd rather just walk up to him, shoot him, and say a quip. Yeah, basically. He's He's supposed to be a hero, and this would be... A dark turn for his character. Granted, they apparently were trying to go with that initially. They were wanting to do something different and uh, wanting to uh, show that the events of the film changed McLean and forced him to a point where he would do this. Which I guess like being fired and being a scapegoat and having no money would force him to do. But I don't know if without, without any money, how's he going to get the fucking rocket launcher and then go to Hungary? I don't know. Anyway... Be that as it may, that is not the ending they chose. And I I guess I kind of like the idea of a dark bummer ending to a movie like this. I would have, but I would have preferred a better one than that. I think I would have been okay with, uh, I really wouldn't have had a resolution of them killing the villain. They could have set it up for another one or something. But like, where they just like, it ends right there where he calls his wife. The first time. The guy escaped. He got away. You lost. But you, but you can have your emotional victory by calling your wife. They could have like set it up to be more of a bummer, and then the bad guy gets away, and then it's a cliffhanger for Die Hard Four or something. It's like right. sort of like an Avengers Infinity War situation. You know what I mean? I can't believe he got away. But I, I, I appreciate that they at least ended this story right here and there because it didn't need to get extended to another movie or no, anything no, like no. that. Uh, it would be twelve years before we would get another Die Hard movie, as it turns out. But as far as this one goes. Critical reception was mixed. Yeah. We got a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes, that by the way. That sounds about right. Now, Roger Ebert did like it. I always got to mention Ebert. I got a quote from Ebert here. Die Hard with a Vengeance is basically a wind-up action toy, cleverly made and delivered with high energy. It delivers just what it advertises with a vengeance. That's a fair review, yeah, I suppose. Fine, yeah. It's a fun action movie. I didn't have a problem with it, necessarily. Just a lot of the cinematography. The cinematography, of... some of the racial 
subject matter yeah, here. Good. Uh, it has really aged poorly, I should say. Yeah. It's not like, it's you know, it's not life. exactly Song of the South or Birth of a Nation. No, it's just It's like, way more innocent than that, but just be aware of that before you watch this one. But I would recommend it. It's a fine movie. I think I even liked it more than Die Hard 2. I think this is my second favorite one. I don't know. What do you think? No, I like Die Hard 2 more just because um, I like how Die Hard 2 plays off of the first one better. Whereas yeah. This one's completely separate and then Die Hard 2 still shot well where this one's like shot like shit. I think I like the, the story of this one more than the story I of like Die the story Hard 2, of this though. one better than the story of Die Hard 2. And I think as that well. makes me like I would probably give them like a similar rating. Yeah. Like it's not a it's 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 a debate you could have. They're close in my opinion. They're because they're nowhere near Die Hard One in terms of quality, but they're decent enough that I would say both of them are okay. And that'll probably stop as soon as we get to four. <laughs> yeah, if I had to guess. Um, by the way, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance had a budget of ninety million dollars, and it would go on to gross three hundred and sixty-six point one million dollars, yep. beating out Die Hard 2's gross by over a hundred million. Um, I'm not sure if this remains the highest-grossing Die Hard mil- film. Uh, I, I have a theory that four made more, but I didn't I haven't checked that yet. We'll find out next week. Um, where we fast forward twelve years to the two thousands and get. Live Free or Die Hard. That which movie is a terrible has, title. Yeah, so that movie has Justin Long in it. I was mistaking for Ashton Kutcher because they're both like fucking stupid. <laughs> and it's uh, okay. there's a bunch of stupid tone deaf hacker man bullshit in it. Sounds like it. I hope you're ready for that. I, I have it on. Um, I'll probably mention this again next week with the factoids. But uh, that movie was originally titled Die Hard 4.0. And it's still called that in some countries uh, because of the Hacker Man plot that it has, uh, which sounds pretty stupid. It is awful. Mm. Are you ready for the shit ones? I've been ready for the shit ones the whole time, and I've been pleasantly surprised that there hasn't been yet. You're not going to... Not this time, buddy. My, My initial judgment is this. If this franchise is three out of five... That is still better than we usually get here at the Gen and Jub show when we're watching any given film franchise. What was Texas Chainsaw? Like, two out of eight? Yeah. And by two, you have to go with half films? Half a two and half a 3D. <laughs> Whatever, let's just say three out of eight. That's still not good. Still not a good percentage there. Um, and then, like, what? Like, I don't know. Anything uh, else? Rocky's the best one. Really low. Well, Rocky is, like... There's only one film out of that series I think it's terrible. Seven out of eight. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I would even recommend four. Four yeah, is fun. It's fun. Yeah. Four is so hilarious. I would recommend four any day. We talk about that all the time. We keep ranting about Rocky because we love it. Rocky's so good. We love it on this show. Make another Creed, please. Oh, my God. Please. It'll happen. Please do it. He had to finish making Last Blood. It's gonna end this film. <sighs> Boo! You know, you know, he, Sylvester Stallone is going to end his film career on a with, Rocky film with Creed three. Yeah, and he dies. He kind of has to. Yeah, kind of have to. That's what's gonna happen. To be a big motivator, one of the big motivators in Creed three is gonna be Rocky passing away. That's how he's going to end his film career. That would be nice, but you know, he might just decide to make 
Expendables 4 instead. I doubt it. Make He's me getting sad. really old at this point. Getting really old. I don't think he can do a big action movie anymore. No. Great being a, being a fun old grandpa, though. Yeah. In Creed. It's he works really well in the Rocky movies because he can still play that character, but he doesn't have to do any action. Just be a grandpa. Right. <laughs> it's fun. All right. Follow us on Twitter. And get in job. Yeah, dude. We'll, I'll post about Die Hard. I'll post some Die Hard merch. I'm so glad. Uh, I'll probably post the uh, the toy of John McClane with the I hate everybody sign. Yep. It looks really dumb. Okay. I'm not even sure if it's an official toy. Okay, I'm going to go to bed because I have to get up to work on Thanksgiving morning because corporate hell exists. <laughs> <and we're living laughs> Lit! Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you next time when we watch another fucking Die Hard movie. Uh, I hope it doesn't suck ass.